Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of Do Go One. My name is Dave Warnicky. I'm sitting here in a studio with Matt Stewart and Jess Jazz Hands Perkins. <laughs> She's jazzing away. Matt, Woo! where were your hands? Uh, they're what? in my pockets well, as they always are. I appreciate your hands where I can see them. <laughs> Don't know what you're doing under the table. Dave, uh, Dinky, Dick. Yep. Yeah, I've got a Dinky Dick. <laughs> dinky Dick. Good instinct there, Matty, yes. I'm like, it's like... Why? Why do I go with the D word? I was trying to make it alliterate yeah. with hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'd rather <laughs> Dicky Dick than Handsy Dave. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. What no, your actual point. nickname around the scene? <laughs> what Dicky Dick or Handsy Dave? Which one am I? Handsy Dave. Oh, that's not fair. Handsy Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, right. Dave. Hello. <laughs> Can you believe it? We've made it back to the studio no. for our third hundred. Is yeah. that right? I guess so. Or is 200 the start of the third hundred? 100. <laughs> so you got 100 as the end of the first hundred? Yeah. Yeah, so this is the start of the third hundred. Yeah, wow. Unbelievable. Our episode, third century. Yeah. 201. Can you believe another milestone episode so soon after the 200th? <laughs> Crazy. I've got a feeling next week could be even more special. <laughs> wow. How do we keep doing it? I don't know. I don't it's know. so exciting. It is. It feels special. It does feel special because we haven't been in the same room, the three of us, basically since we recorded the 200th episode. Yeah. It was a couple of weekends ago. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. Oh, good. Matt, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Jess. Oh, great. 
Jess has had her birthday since. Happy birthday for yesterday, oh, Jess. Thank that you so means much. we're in we're recording this in that sweet gap. Yes. When Jess is old and Dave is Butterboy. <laughs> He's yes. a little butterboy. That character Butterboy is all greased up, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only uh, 28 years old, and Jess, Remember- 29 right oh, now. Wait, when you get to my age, my friend, in a couple of hours' time, <laughs> yeah, you are not going to know yourself. We are recording this the night before it goes out, and the day it comes out, it is my 29th birthday. Yeah. Whoa. So tweet at Dave pictures of your dinky dicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All your handsy hands. <laughs> your, the choice is yours. <laughs> and remember, the lizard man loves Butter boy. <laughs> he loves butter beans. <laughs> and butter boy. Everyone loves butter boy. Wait, you're butter bean boy. Oh, my God. I am. This is exciting. Anyway, you know what else is exciting? Um, Apart what? from, um, like, tenuous links to old jokes? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> apart from any number of things. There's so many exciting things in the world. Oh, my God. Um, there's also heaps Beyonce? of- Beyonce? There's heaps of awful things. Um, um, Beyonce? Fireworks? <laughs> Yeah, fireworks. An Terrible. awful thing. Yuck. But coming up in just a few weeks' time, we're going to be heading to one of our favourite Australian cities. We it, Bandura. It has my favourite bridge. <gasps> Bandura. The Golden Gate. <laughs> that was better. The, Bund- the Bandura Bridge. Oh, tis a beauty. <laughs> I came up. Oh, oh, no. No, focus, Jess. I did come up with a fun new character, but that will have to wait. Please script it into the show somehow. <laughs> somehow. We're coming to Sydney. The, oh, yes, the second best bridge in the country after the Bundura Bridge, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, home of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. It is Sydney. Sydney. We are coming to Giant Dwarf, our favourite Sydney theatre there in Redfern. Awesome venue. How do you pronounce it, Jess? Dwarf. Yeah, that was weird how he did it. Dwarf. Dwarf. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne Giant the... Dwarf the Rock. <laughs> Dwayne, the... Dwayne the Rock Dwarf. <laughs> uh, it's Saturday, September the 21st. We are doing a uh, beautiful Saturday night oh, show. Oh, a beautiful show. A beautiful oh. show. Oh, Saturday night. You've got to bring out all the stops on a Saturday night. Am oh, I right? yeah. Come on. Showbiz etiquette. We'll be there. You'll be there, hopefully. Tickets are available now at our website, dugawanpod.com. We'd love to... We haven't quite reached our reserve, so like an, a house auction, to put it into the parlance that uh, listeners would understand. <laughs> to our millionaire Especially listeners. Sydney listeners. We really we need to reach a certain number of ticket sellers before we buy our flights. And yes. we haven't reached that reserve price yet. So We are but two away. I watched uh, an episode of uh, uh, Location, Location, Location oh, recently, fantastic. so I my head's in the game. <laughs> I understand properly. <laughs> and we, we also have a certain reserve. If we hit that, we will escape to the country together Yeah, yes. with, with the prophets. Where we I really, will become I love those shows. house hunters. That's <gasps> my favourite. I love quaint oh. English shows about Poirots or people who, like, old English couples who wear tweed yep. and they want to buy a property somewhere in love the country. Oh, and they want to downsize but have eight bedrooms so that their family can come and visit them. Yeah, it's so great. We just want to run an, a, a B&B but downsize. I said, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're 78 years old. You need one bedroom, possibly a study. That's it. Yeah. They want eight-bedroom manor home. Oh, we'd love some stables too. We love horses. No, you don't. No, you You're don't. You never ride a horse. God damn. Anyway, uh, we're also coming to Perth. Uh, two months out, we have sold most of the tickets, so what that's really nice. What kind of bridges nice. have they got in Perth? Any good bridges? Uh, they've got the... Swan Bridge? 
Swan Bridge. They call it all Swan over there. Do they have a Swan Bridge? Because there's a Swan River. Yeah, I imagine there's, there's the Swan a river. District. There's Swan Lager. Swan Lake, constantly on. Uh... Hmm. Okay, the Bush Chook. I'm gonna go check out those bridges. <laughs> oh yeah. That's our uh, Sunday, November the third, at the Comedy Lounge in Perth. So if you're keen on that one, I do suggest you jump on board. Hopefully, we'll see you there, Perth. First ever time. Now, so this pumped. character I came up with. Oh, here we go. You know how in pirate movies, <laughs> lady pirates are always, like, sexy and wearing a corset and have, like, long flowing hair but a hat? Oh, you know? I love that. Lady pirates are always hot. I want to be a Captain Barbosa kind of lady pirate. So I've just been walking around my house all lately going, yar, and it's really fun. Right, but you're not wearing a corset. Is that the difference? <laughs> yeah, and I haven't bathed. Oh, nice one. Yeah. I realised in that sentence that I mustn't have ever watched pirate movies because none of that made sense. What? So I'm thinking of... Uh, normally in pirate movies, men are not hot and women are hot. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Sure. That in sounds, all pirate films. That sounds sexist Orlando to me. Bloom, what about yuck. us being hot for once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Orlando Johnny Depp, get out Johnny of here. Depp. Are there any other pirate movies? Probably. Treasure I mean, Island. I don't have to shit all over my... It's just a fun character I've been doing. <laughs> Can we hear a little bit of the character? <laughs> well, now I can't think of anything to say, but I'm sure I'll, all right, I'll think all right, of something. All right, quick scenario. Okay, Dave. All right. Um, all right, Dave's the shopkeeper. <laughs> yeah. I'm minding my business in the 7-Eleven. <laughs> okay. You enter. Okay. Oh, hello, welcome to the pirate shop. Yar, I be looking for some milk of a cow. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we've got several different brands. If you want to look up the back there. Okay. Oh, so you want me, oh you'd like more? You want me to escort you to the milk? Okay, madam. My God, I'm sorry, I'm used to my uh, pirate women being a lot more attractive. <laughs> You are disgusting. Dave gets it. Disgusting. Yeah. You've got barnacles on you, you disgusting. See, Dave gets it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Matt, what was your character? Minding my own business. <laughs> oh, no. You nailed it. I wrote myself out of the same, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of internal monologue going on there. <laughs> What's going on over here? There seems to be a pirate in the 7-Eleven. That's weird. Oh, a pirate in the pirate shop. <laughs> And scene. Fantastic work, Jess. Thank you. You're available for kids' kids birthday parties, I imagine. No. Please come see my comedy festival show next year. That character will not feature. Unless you really liked it, in which case, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I like to keep it ambiguous. Great reviews. Yeah. Yar. Hey, if people want to see us at the Fringe, how about we tell them about that as well? That's probably a thing we should talk about. The Melbourne Fringe is coming up. Yes, so we're doing a show called Razzle Dazzle. Razzle Dazzle. Yes. And it is at the Coopers Inn, and you can get tickets via either Jess's website, which is <laughs> jessperkins.com.au, or mine, mattstewartcomedy.com. Or just look up the Fringe or site look up as the well. Fringe, yep. And um, it's going to be fun. I can't remember what the dates are, but there's eight of them. The 12th. So limited to only eight. <laughs> the 12th? To the 19th. <laughs> I love that. Eight nights only. <laughs> 12 to the 19th, Melbourne Fringe. Get on board. Should be a heap of fun. We'll be Come there. On. All right, let's crack on with the show. What do you say? Eh? What's the, there's a pirate character for a name, Jess. Yar. Oh, Yar. Yar, yar she do. Yarn? Yar she do. <laughs> yar she do is a good name. All right, uh, Matt, how about you tell us what the show is about? So the way, start. the way the show normally would work is uh, the three of us, of us, one of us, will come in with a research topic, which they've probably uh, gotten from a listener suggestion, possibly voted on by Patreons. They'll research it for a lot of time, usually, 
and then write out a report and then they'll tell the report to the other two. We'll be annoying and put them off course. And uh, we get on the topic with a question this week. Jess is doing the topic. Jess, what is your question to get us on to topic? My question is, who is quoted as saying, never interrupt someone doing something you said couldn't be done? Oh, my goodness. That's a real thinker, isn't it? Yeah, never interrupt someone doing something. Sorry, man, I'm going to have to stop you right there. Okay. Um, so I'm guessing it's someone famous. It is someone famous. Abraham Lincoln. No. Neither of us are correct there. Neither of you are correct. Are they American? We said two American names. Yes. Okay. Well, we've narrowed it down. Whitney Houston. No, but he's going the right gender, if that helps. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I'm all out of women. Wow. Um, I can't think of one either. <laughs> I've already done Dolly Parton. Oh, Sarah Jessica Barbara Parker. Barbara Bush. No. Ooh. We in entertainment or politics or medicine? Uh, or... <laughs> the three categories. <laughs> entertainment, politics. Okay. None of those Dance, hip hop. No. No, that's in entertainment, bro. Think oh, about the no, sky. Nothing. <gasps> Amelia Earhart. Yes. Well done. Thank you. Wow. Did you? She flew a plane. Nice she, one. Yeah, she flew. Did, did that quite help you at all? Because you seemed no. well on as soon as you said plane straight into it. I feel like as soon as I said woman plane, yeah, lady pilot, you'd go, you'd you'd get it. And I read that quote and thought that's nice. It's a great quote. So I put that in there. Can we hear it one more time? Never quote, interrupt someone doing something you said couldn't be done. So you're like, uh, uh, you can't do that, and then they try, and you go, nah, stop. Well, don't, don't interrupt them. You big hater. Especially if they're doing something quite dangerous like flying a plane. It's basically yeah. don't be a hater. Could you name another American woman pilot? I can now because of this report. Oh, okay. Oh, Nancy I Bird. Could... Is that was that one? I'm struggling to think Maybe. of any other American pilots. I mean, we've done a report on one. I know the flight center. Oh, <laughs> the flight center guy. Uh. Um, yeah, part Sully Sullenberger. Yeah, that's a, that's a pilot. Mm, I'm out. I uh, had one last week. Uh, this is your uh, Captain uh, Keith uh, Johnson uh, speaking. Oh, Keith Johnson. They love to do that. Uh, yeah. They can't have any dead air. They can't afford uh, to breathe, those guys. I'm guessing they're, they're splitting their mind on, on the air yeah. and mm. the chat. Just uh, currently cruising at uh, about uh, uh, 22,000 feet. Look, uh, Keith, uh, you've interrupted my movie. <laughs> no, Matt, Get to the freaking point. Yeah, Matt hates it. Anyway. Matt, is... Matt is the most m- mellow, mild person. Uh, mellow dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I've ever met, mm. but... You put him on a plane, just trying to watch a movie, so and car. interrupt him five times. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson's cut off halfway through a speech. Oh my god, he's sick and tired livid. of these motherfucking <laughs> snakes. On this motherfucking, uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I love it when they actually have a surprisingly good like radio voice. Oh, thanks so much for joining us today, folks. We'll have you back on the air in the ground. In oh, the you're, you're on the air with Christopher. Yeah, coming right up. I appreciate you choosing us today, and uh, if Melbourne's home, welcome home. I fucking love that! Yes! All right, does Amelia have that kind of voice? No. Oh. But um, this is a very long report, and also a topic that was suggested by a lot of people. Heaps and heaps of people have suggested this topic, actually, and it was voted on by the Patreons. I put 
four uh, badass ladies to the Patreons this week. Oh, so she's a badass. And I was like, who do you want to hear more about? Because I was like, we need some more. Was Whoopi Goldberg one of the options? Ladies. Uh, no, not this time. But there were some good options. I was surprised, actually, they went for Amelia. Not that I don't think she's impressive. I just thought there was a couple of options on there that they'd be like, yeah, do that. Um, but this has been suggested by heaps of people, so I'll go through a few of them now. Um, Tash Mori, Elvis Jesus Nolasco. <laughs> Sorry, is that one name? Yes. <laughs> Whoa. Nate McLean, Lynn from Washington. Hi, Lynn. <laughs> is that one name? Yes. Soroya Minchin, uh, Ian Whitehead, Alec McElroy, uh, Kean Lanigan, and Lexi Frustacci. Holy moly. Another Some amazing names. crop. <laughs> So great suggestion, everybody, and thank you to the Patreons who voted on it as well. Now, this is a very long report, so I'm going to try and keep it together and not do my pirate character much. Yeah, <laughs> luckily we've got straight into the report. <laughs> <laughs> so this should be smooth sailing or smooth flying. Who knows? Uh, hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So Amelia Mary Earhart was born on July 24, 1897 in Atchison, Kansas. 1897, the same year that the VFL football competition began. Really? Yes. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the oldest child of Edwin and Amelia, Amy. Um, Amelia went by Amy. This is uh, Amelia Earhart's like Amelia the Third, I think, at least. Oh, I so like that. it's going to get confusing. Um, so her mum goes by Amy. Um, and Amelia had a younger sister as well called Grace. Their mother, Amy, was pretty progressive and didn't seem to believe in typical gender roles, so she really encouraged her girls to explore and be themselves. Um, both Amelia and Grace were very adventurous. Amelia was a, was the real ringleader, and Grace just sort of happily followed her big sister around. And the family called their the girls by their nicknames right up until adulthood. So Amelia was known as Mealy, which sort of makes sense. Grace was called Pidge. <laughs> You would have thought she'd be the flyer. Pidge? Yeah. Well, get, what do you reckon? Why is that? <laughs> nah, good, good point. Nah, what, what was your reasoning P- there? Pigeon. Oh, they fly. Don't they? Yeah. Me- Mealies don't. Mealies don't Mealy fly. does f- feel pejorative, right? What do you mean? But does it feel like it's not a positive? Mealy? Calling someone Mealy. Like, that's I like mean, a lesser thing, right? Amelia. Mealy. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, they're spelling You're it like Mealy, M- my daughter. M E L E Y. Like, Mealy. Or Millie, they call this sometimes too. Millie, now I'm on board. Okay, all right. Hey, Millie. Let's, and, P- and Pidge. Let's fly, Millie and Pidge. <laughs> Pidge is a sweet name. Pidge is cute. Pidge is sick. So the girls would spend their days climbing trees, hunting rats, riding a sled downhill, (laughs) and collecting frogs and worms. Right. So they would collect the frogs and worms, but they would hunt the rats. Yes. You don't collect rats, Dave. Oh, wow. You hunt them. I don't, yeah, I don't know why. Um, So their uncle helped Amelia build a ramp from the roof of the family shed, and she rode in a wooden box down this ramp. Ended up with a bruised lip, torn dress, and a sensation of exhilaration. That's awesome. <laughs> sensation of exhilaration. Like her, Is that one of yours? Uh, that's no, that's a quote. I would never come up with something like that. Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> she exclaimed, oh, Pidge, it's just like flying. It was her first flight. Oh. Um, so, yeah, this was it was her first taste of flying. And spoiler alert, she does a bit more flying. Really? So that's not the famous flight? That we all think That's not the now. big one. No. She didn't just go down a ramp. Once. She's not famous for as a kid 
pushing yourself in a box. <laughs> I mean, we've all got a mattress and some stairs, you yeah. know? Yeah, but first seven-year-old to, to think of that. We all uh, oh, imitate yeah. her. Did, of course. You know, there's that, that idea that um, some people will live up to their name. Uh. Do you think Earhart had anything to do with her being oh, taken that? to the air? Nominative determinism. Nominative determinism. Oh, like if your last name's Baker. Yes, and I went to primary school with someone called last name Gardner. Now a gardener. No. And a baker. <laughs> wow. As in just like they, they have a house and they do the gardening oh, sometimes? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm just listening to us. They do. Also, sometimes just the laundry. <laughs> okay. Nicholas Laundry Bag. <laughs> <laughs> this is my friend, Peter Washing Basket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Peter, live up to your name. Dream big. <laughs> Let right, me I'll throw hold. my dirty clothes <laughs> at you. <laughs> And my friend Chris Astronaut, <laughs> also a baker. <laughs> I know lots of bakers. <laughs> yeah. So Amelia's father, Edwin, showed a lot of promise, but he was never able to break the bonds of alcohol. I don't like how they wrote that. Um, he was on a on nearly constant search to establish his career and put the family on a firm financial foundation. He kind of like bounced from job to job, couldn't hold jobs very well because he was an alcoholic. Mm. Then he got paid to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, do what you love. (laughs) You'll never work a day in your life, mate. He's like, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm happy. Um, when the situation got bad, like if he if he you know drank away their money, Amy would um, take Amelia and her sister to their grandparents' home, which is actually where she was born. The house in Kansas where she was born was her grandparents' house. Um, the family, when they weren't staying with the grandparents, moved around a lot. The girls were homeschooled for a while by the by their mother and a governess, and Amelia found a passion for reading. In uh, 1907, her father, Edwin, um, uh, he sort of got transferred. So he did have a job. He was working as a claims officer for the Rock Island Railroad and he got transferred uh, to Iowa. So now the family's back together and the sisters uh, are in Iowa and they're enrolled in public school for the first time. Um, So she was about 10 before she actually went to a, a proper school. Um, She showed early aptitude in school for science and for sports, but she did struggle a bit to adjust to school after spending such a long time moving around. (laughs) She said, where are the ramps? Where are they? Where's mum? (laughs) Who are these other kids? (laughs) You're not my (laughs) mum. What's this building? (laughs) We don't have that at home. Things um, seemed to settle for a little while, though. The family's finances improved. They bought a new house and they even hired two servants. Okay. They're doing pretty well. Come, mm. come in now. Alcoholism is paying off. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you drink long enough, suddenly. Well, within a few years, Edwin's alcoholism again caught up with them and he was forced to retire from the Rock Island Railroad. Oh. Railroad. And although he attempted to rehabilitate himself, uh, he was never reinstated. So they basically were like, you can't work here. And he was like, I'll get better. And they they were like, no. Um, Around the same time, the girl's maternal grandmother, Amelia Otis, passed away. um, And fearing that Edwin, her son-in-law, would... Would uh, his drinking would drain away any money she left her daughter. She placed a substantial estate in a trust for her daughter and her granddaughters. So she was like, I don't trust him. Right. Um, which was pretty savvy of her, I think. 
<clears throat> Amelia was heartbroken at the loss of her grandmother and later described this time as the end of her childhood. To be fair, she was about 15. So, <laughs> yeah. That's when they also stopped calling her Amelia. <laughs> her sister by this time is going by Muriel, which is her middle name or something. What? what? Grace is her first name. Yeah. Grace is much better Grace than Muriel. Grace is beautiful. And also now you're Amelia and Muriel. Oh, no. I mean, Pidge is better than Muriel. Yeah. Anything's better than Seemed Muriel. Seemed to happen more in the, in the past where people would take their middle names and stuff. Well, yeah, even her father, Edwin, I think his na- name was actually Samuel or something. And Amy is Amelia. They change their names around a lot. They go by different names. Yeah. I wonder why that was. Do you think they just had less names to choose from, so to avoid confusion they'd just give themselves nicknames for right. things? Or? I think yeah, it had less to do with their time. Ah, I'm yes. bored. Call me Grace. Yeah. Okay, Grace. Now I'm Muriel. All it right, seems Muriel. Like people now are less likely to choose their own name, but back then it seemed like they'd give them a few and you'd pick your favourite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do with this what you will. Yeah. Hmm. Who knows? So... Um, after about a year-long search, Amelia's father found work as a clerk at the Great Northern Railway. Work as a clerk. In St. Paul, Minnesota in 1915. So once again, the family moved. And later that year, he applied. This is so weird how this happened. He applied for a transfer to go to Springfield, Missouri. But then the current claims officer there reconsidered his retirement and kept his job. So then <laughs> to keep him out, Edwin's without a job. He's like, oh, but I left that one for this job. Oh, that sucks. So he left St. Paul for that? He left, uh, yes, St. Paul for Springfield, and then Springfield, there was no job, so he's Where stuck. was St. Paul? St. Paul's in Minnesota. Right, Minnesota. Minnesota. So deciding enough was enough, Amy moved herself and the girls to Chicago to live with friends of ah, hers. She separated city. from the husband. <laughs> she went to live in Chicago. Second city. Um, her father's inability to, p- to be the provider for the family led Amelia Earhart to become independent and not rely on someone else to take care of her. And that's going to come up again later. I meant Windy City. Yeah. <laughs> in, a pretty, uh, in a pretty bold move, Amelia sussed out her options for what school she should go to next. So she was like, almost like an auditioning school. She was going and like sussing them out and deciding what she wanted to do. She rejected the high school nearest her home um, because she said that the chemistry lab was just uh, was just like a kitchen sink. It wasn't up to her standards. So Which she, she's used to at home school, it being uh, a kitchen, <laughs> kitchen sink. sink. But right. still, but, like uh, a, you know. It's a really nice, nice one. Nice one, yeah, marble. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big. Marble like laminate a, at least. It's but, a double sink. Yeah. <laughs> Only a single sink. Come on. Come on. What are you doing? Unbelievable. Got a single sink in the butler's pantry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So she eventually enrolled in Hyde Park High School for her final year of school. Um, and she did pretty well academically, but it was a bit of a miserable year for her. There was a, a caption in the yearbook under a picture of her that captures the essence of her unhappiness. It just says, A.E., the girl in brown who walks alone. Oh, oh. alarm bells. <laughs> did she submit that herself? <laughs> Because that is tragic. Is that a description of a schoolgirl or a ghost? <laughs> the girl in brown. Yeah. Imagine a brown who ghost. Walks alone. It sounds oh. like a, Ima- it's a haunting description. Imagine brown being your trademark colour. Oh. Oh. Well, yeah, the positive, if you ever shit yourself, <laughs> no, think about it. You're always thinking thing, about the positives. The only yeah. thing worse could be the, the positives. Go- oh. 
The only thing worse, <laughs> I was going to say, is if she was the girl in grey or something. The girl no, in beige. I'd rather be in grey than brown. brown. I love brown. Chocolate brown. I'm wearing grey right now. Yeah, fair enough. Grey's fine. Brown sucks. I wore a chocolate brown suit to my formal. <gasps> so did my uh, my first boyfriend to our year 12 formal. Love that colour. wearing a colour. brown suit. What is wrong with him? I don't know. There's something fun about it. Having fun. Sorry, does that description describe you at the formal? The man in brown walking alone? He <laughs> 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 desperate. Uh... Um, no, I, no, I chose not to bring a date. Yeah. Uh. I was there with Justine Windowsill. <laughs> wow. She had quite the figure. <laughs> Very boxy. Yeah. A.E., the br- girl in brown who walks alone. Oh, come on. Jesus. That's okay. That's tragic. Yeah. But she flies with mates. <laughs> <laughs> After graduation, she spent a Christmas vacation visiting her sister in Toronto. Um, after seeing wounded soldiers returning from World War I, she volunteered as a nurse's aide for the Red Cross. Uh, she came to know many wounded pilots. She developed a strong admiration for aviators, spending much of her free time watching the Royal Flying Corps practicing at the airfield nearby. As in the sunglasses? What? You said she had a strong admiration for aviators. Yes, <laughs> gotcha. she's like sort of. They're it's a weird a thing to take shape. out of it. Yeah, they just suit <laughs> every wo- face. All these wounded guys coming in. She's like, "Ooh, love those sunnies. <laughs> Why do you look cool? Uh, you can't take them off. I'm severely injured behind this. <laughs> I've got no eyes. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Help me." Um, so she's still working as a nurse when the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic Ooh. reached Toronto, and she herself contracted the illness. A oh, pandemic's no. the good ones. Which which kind of demics are the good ones? Dave, what's the good demic? That's what I asked. Epidemic. Yes. Epidemic. That's also bad. Pandemic doesn't sound good. Pan either. sounds all right. What's the what is a pandemic? Dave. Dave Pan. What's a pan? Dave. What's the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic? I thought they were actually pandemic. quite similar. Pandemic. I'm looking it up. Other words interchangeable. Pandemic. A pandemic is an outbreak of global proportions. Okay. Epidemic. Then here we go. All Come right. on. Okay. Is that is that more okay. localized? Epidemic. Maybe. Oh, what I'm pan means there? Because like what pan Pacific is it the same sort of? What does that mean? Spread. An, spreads the Pacific. An epidemic is a widespread occurrence of an infectious disease in a community at a particular time, and a pandemic is an outbreak of global proportions. Oh, so pandemic's bigger, maybe. Pan's worse than epi. Ooh. Equal, I guess. Yep. All right. Let's go with that, and don't tweet at us. But you can use them interchangeably, a lot. If you want to be incorrect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't, Dave. But if you want to get people's attention, don't talk about an epidemic. Most doctors would be like, "Whatever, mate." Pandemic. pandemic holy shit we gotta lock Push this shit button. down so she gets sick as well um and she was hospitalized in uh, early november 1918 spent a couple of months in hospital being treated it was pretty serious um once she was out of hospital she spent close to a year recuperating at her sister's home in northampton massachusetts yeah it's ah, massachusetts <laughs> that one that's easy to say massachusetts yeah huh? Sorry. What did he say there? That? I, I thought I'd have a go. Yeah. Well, nice try. It was cute. Yeah, it was a cute attempt. Thank you. So she had like um, uh, a, a huge sinus infection as well and several uh, operations for that. And it was yeah. an ongoing issue for her yeah, or million, forever. Millions of people died from it. It was, it was, oh, it was huge. It wasn't yeah, just yeah. an epidemic, guys. It was a pan-fucking-demic. Pan no, Matt. A pan-fucking-demic. Oh. Please. Which is doubling that. It's double pandemic. Pan-fucking-demic. Oh. Thank you. Oh, no. Yeah, it's bad. 
Um, I've got to make a call. (laughs) So while she's recuperating at her sister's house, she's passing the time by reading poetry, learning to play the banjo, and studying mechanics. Oh, wasting her time. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding. Change the carburetor. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. ding. Is that a haiku? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. In 1919, she enrolled in medical studies at Columbia University, but quit a year later to be with her parents, who'd reunited and were together in California. Gosh, she's lived in about 90 different US states. Do they all claim her? Bet they do. Oh, probably. There's like seven different museums. Yeah. Millie Earhart's uh, famous childhood home. She lived here for six months. She once lit a Bunsen Bunsen burner in this sink. It's like (laughs) ACDC in Australia. Everyone claims a piece of them. Bon Scott and... Fremantle's where he's buried, mm. ACDC Lane in Melbourne, because there was a film clip filmed here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, I think they did a lot of work in Sydney, maybe, and Adelaide, I think, have claim a piece of them as well. Brisbane have shops. There's a long way to get to, so. Yeah. Which is not even there, uh, the, the original lyric. For the... <laughs> <laughs> they also have a top. Bit of fun there. Um, we wear black. Sometimes uh, yeah. they did. Yep. Sometimes they wore brown. Okay. Horrible colour. Walked alone. <laughs> what are they doing? Um, so, in 1920, in Long Beach, on December 28, 1920, Amelia and her father visited an airfield where Frank Hawks, who later gained fame as an air racer. Okay, Hawks. There's another non-diplume thingo that you said before. Nobody of determinism. Yeah, non-diplume. <laughs> Are you saying it's a made-up name? So, yeah. so you're saying that he went on to become a hawk? Yes. Which flies in the sky, just keep up. I can't keep up. I don't get it. Your mind is so advanced. How do you do it? What's his name? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. (laughs) Ethan Hawke's dad, Frank Hawkes. Oh, wow. (laughs) He He dropped dropped the S for Hollywood reasons. Yeah, it's too hard. Hawkes. Yuck. What is it, two of you? Come on, Ethan. (laughs) My name's Chris. You're Ethan now. Ethan Hawke. Okay. So he was uh, like offering... uh, Flights, you could go on a little joyride in a plane. Cost you 10 bucks, off you go. And he gave her a ride that would forever change her life. This is a quote from Amelia. She says, by the time I'd got two or 300 feet off the ground, I knew I had to fly. Well, yeah, you are. You're (laughs) already doing it. Otherwise you're falling at the earth. Did she grab the controls? (laughs) Ethan Hawthorne, get off, get off, get off. (laughs) I have to do it. No, I think I got it. I think I got it. I think I get flying. How could it be? Do you ever think like... It's a fight or flight scenario. <laughs> do you ever think that if you had to take the wheel on a plane... We would all die. Yeah. No, I'd pull up. Who was it? <laughs> Who was it? Too oh, far. it was Oliver. Loop to loop. <laughs> remember flying to Kosamui and Oliver Clark saying he doesn't drink on the plane in case... <laughs> in case he gets called up. <laughs> in case someone needs to take the wheel. Does he have any experience? No! But then he's just like, no, I can't. I, in case there's a crisis and they need that. me. That is great. I've often thought about... Um, one thing I think about more is I've never had like a... Val- you know some people take Valium or something to knock themselves out on the yeah. plane? Never done that. And I think about... One thing that stops me from trying it is what if you completely passed out and then there is an emergency and you have to get off the plane quickly? Oh, right. Does that ever happen? Like, no, plane ba- crashes, you die, right? Well, Pretty much? a lot of the time. But what if you're a Sully Sullenberger and you've got to get off on right. the Hudson River? People are now carrying... He carry- should not take Valium. <laughs> but people are- <laughs> yeah. I worry the guilt of me being carried out because I'm actually asleep. I, don't, I mean, you're not... I don't think you're knocked out that hard that you couldn't be... 
shook and awake. Mm, I don't know, I'm a small man. I think also like any sort of, if you're hitting bad turbulence or you do crash, being passed out, it's isn't good, that, you, it's good if thing. you're drunk, great. like drink drivers always end up better in car crashes. Not drink drivers, drunk passengers probably. Oh, because you're floppy. Yeah, they're floppy, as, whereas if you're alert, if you tense. you'll tense up and break more bones and do more damage. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a... My brother broke the steering wheel off his car in an accident once. Because he was he tensed so much that when the impact hit, his steering wheel broke. But I suppose it's probably better than the alternative, which is being impaled. Was he yeah. injured? Um, pretty sore, but he was okay. Wow! It didn't have an airbag, did it? And it was just like was it floating just... around, popping. Remember the airbag <laughs> comes loose? It's a beach ball in your car with a heavy steering wheel underneath. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I think you'll be okay, Dave. And where do you fly without me? Like, I'll carry you. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. What are you up to on the leg press? Uh, I haven't done a leg press this round, but I think I was 140 or something. 140. Is that a, No, I think you're I was You're under more. 140 kilos. Yeah, you're <laughs> fine. Are you under 140 kilos? You could do kilos? me plus uh, the, I won't the person do next you. Time. I could lift you. Well, well right, once you're on. done doing me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wake him up. Maybe this will help. <laughs> What a terrifying way to wake up. <laughs> what a terrifying way to die. <laughs> hey, there are worse ways you could die. <laughs> that would be confusing, though. <laughs> so the plane's gone down. I've missed a lot here. I wake up. You're wearing the oxygen mask. You're on top of me. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> All right. It's what he would have wanted. I panicked. I swear we've talked about it on a podcast. <laughs> anyway, so Amelia Earhart. Is like I need to fly. This is this is my this is my calling. I belong in the sky. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Poor boy. Have you had a had a valium? It's not good if I can't talk when I'm doing the report. So anyway, she starts then uh, working a number of different jobs to save up to afford flying lessons. So she worked as a photographer, as a truck driver. Uh, those are two examples, but there are others apparently. This wow. goes on. She managed Photog- to... photographing trucks. Yeah, and then uh, trucking cameras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, driving cameras about. <laughs> <laughs> Just transporting cameras. Well, Just so cameras get to see the world too. Yeah. Um, You're so, looking through them all the time. What, what, what about what they want to see? Let them look through you. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if a camera uses you to see. <laughs> That's a Black Mirror episode. Whoa. <laughs> They're really running out of ideas. All right, series 95. People are cameras. <laughs> Great. I love Write it. it down. I love it. So she saves up $1,000 to pay for her flying lessons. Back then. That's a shitload, isn't it? 1000 bucks is so much money. That would be a fortune. Heaps. Imagine having $1,000. Not <laughs> you, Dave. Jess, imagine having $1,000. Oh, $1, that would be so nice. Fuck, I mean, flying nice. lessons now are horrendously expensive still. Mm. Are they? Yeah, They're really expensive, I've never yeah. looked into it because that would be fucking terrifying. And but... you need so many hours to get qualified, so it's expensive. And the annoying thing is you don't fly, you don't learn in the safe planes. You learn in those small ones that are always on the news for crashing. But if you can fly one of those little ones, you can fly a big one. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Right. The big ones basically fly themselves. Yes, that's I've heard that. So I've heard that too. Yeah, just push a button. Push a button. All you have to do is go. Uh, back. Welcome. <laughs> uh. You got to press the takeoff button though. That's the thing. Showing <laughs> that's the first lesson. All right, Amelia, welcome uh, to the cockpit. Welcome to plane. Can I just say? And, we're doing uh, vocal fry <laughs> yeah. 101. Here we go. Uh, you have a go. Hi, I'm Amelia Earhart, no, and welcome. No, 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 I'll no, stop no, you right whoa, there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that is a very quick, very quick. Your passengers won't know what's happening. Suddenly, Matt's watching the movie again. We don't want that to happen. Come on, 
you got to take a solid three minutes <laughs> and give them information they don't fully understand. Yeah, that's right. I don't. I mean, well, you tell me what height we're flying at. I don't know if that's good. We've got uh, a strong uh, tailwind here, uh, about uh, thirty knots southeasterly. What the hell are you talking yeah. about? I don't. Is it going to be bumpy? We're going to land at eight ten, which is about two minutes ahead of schedule. No, who cares? I don't care. Who cares? Tell me if we're going to be four hours late. Sure, but shut up. Yeah. I'm watching Captain Marvel again. And then this one, uh, a cross check. Prepare the cabins for landing. Yeah. What the, what's a fucking cross check? Captain Marvel. She was a pilot, I think. Yes. In the movie, at least. Yes. Whoa. 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 <laughs> now wow. Means it. See, you can you can name another female pilot. <laughs> Captain Marvel. Anyway, so um, she saved up all her money and she had her first flying lesson on the 3rd of January 1921 at Kinnefield near Long Beach and her teacher was Nita Snook. Great name. Mm. Fantastic. Again, Anita, 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 Nita Snook. Nita Snook. Sounds like a prank called a Moe's is like... (laughs) Uh, Anita Anita Snook. Snook. Anita Snook. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not... I'm not serving another beer until Anita Snook comes over here. Now, Anita was actually the first woman aviator in Iowa. She was the first woman student accepted at the Curtis Flying School in Virginia. First female aviator to run her own aviation business and first woman to run a commercial airfield. But still, she's most well known for being the teacher of Amelia Earhart. So she was super impressive herself. Yeah, that's really... Anita Schnook. Anita Schnook. And Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> so Amelia immersed herself in learning to fly. She read everything she could find on flying, spent much of her time at the airfield. Um, she cropped her hair short like a lot of the other uh, lady aviators were doing. She was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll fit Marvel in. Marvel had a haircut. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Worried uh, what the other more experienced pilots might think of her, she even slept in her new leather jacket for three nights to give it a more worn look. Wow. Love that. I also love the fact that there were experienced pilots in 1909. Yeah. It's not 1909. It's tw- 1921. Oh, shit. Huge difference. Come on, mate. You, you've just skipped over the war. No, I talked about the war. And yeah. we all enjoyed it very much. <laughs> yeah. And when then there was, was the pandemic of 1918. When she was working Pan as a nurse. fucking demic. Well, he's in a nurse the war, in the war, the aviators. Red Cross <laughs> yeah, aviators. Right. You even... Pandemic, Whoa. she got sick. Whoa. Oh, I just woke up. Okay. Oh, like Valium. Hey. <laughs> hey, how are you? Hey. Oh, oh. <laughs> the passenger's on top of ah. you. <laughs> what are you doing there? This, this seems like a good thing to do every 20 minutes or so is just recap for Matt. Yeah. We should do this weekly. I think other people would appreciate that. Um, are you good? You up to date? Yeah. We were talking about Nita Snook. Nita yeah. Snook. You're just listing Im- impressive people. Yeah. Let's get us some losers. Is that not mostly what this podcast is? I guess it is. Impressive people. Occasional losers. And sometimes evil. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes impressive evil losers. Yeah. yeah. We love those. Yeah, yeah That's the trifecta. The trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Oh, no. Can't, That's also Dave. <laughs> An impressive. Evil loser. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I'll take two of those. Which ones? I don't know. You'll take evil. I'd loser. rather be an evil, evil or a loser. Probably a loser. Well, an if impressive you're a good person, loser. you want to be an evil loser, right? You don't want to be an evil winner. That's true. That's right. Yeah. I'm bad at being evil. Ugh. And therefore, I took one for the team there. Yuck. Nice. Oh, you suck. Okay, so six <laughs> months later, Amelia... uh, loser. <laughs> Amelia purchased a second-hand bright yellow Kinner Airster biplane, and she nicknamed it. 
the canary. I'd call it the banana. Oh, flying bananas. But she went for canary, which I guess is a yellow bird. That's a nice name. And they do fly more than bananas. Canary's always yellow. Can they be different colours? I think they can. Cool. I'm going out on a limb here. I'm saying definitely can be different I reckon they definitely cannot. Oh, wow. Just for a point of contention. And I'm going to say maybe. (laughs) You asked the question, so... (laughs) It'd be great if you knew all along. Can they? Wrong. <laughs> I already researched this earlier. Uh, the male canaries. I planned canaries. this question. <laughs> male canaries' plumage is yellow, but uh, when they do the mating dance, uh-huh. the female of the species, a fawny brownie grey. And when they do their mating dance, what does oh. that, that look like? Oh, Spanish flea, okay. Just flap their wings a bit. Oh, a bit of a hula kind of movement. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. Hmm. Not often colleague, you... my good colleague. Sorry, I got that. I got in a zone. <laughs> not often that you watch your, your friend mime fuck a bird. <laughs> yeah, it's not often. But was... when it's a treat when it happens. Yes. When yeah, I was I was playing the canary down the mine. If you're not know I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh wow, wow. Okay, so she's bought a plane called the Canary. <laughs> oh, is she having sex with? She's her? fucking the plane. Is there anything? Is there any evidence to say that she wasn't? There's no evidence to say that she wasn't. Thank you. So, prove us wrong. Did you say it was a biplane? It was a biplane. Hmm. So, could be. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that he listens to. Oh, that's the one fact he's taken away from it. But the war, he thinks I've skipped. But, I mean, (laughs) what I said made no sense. The plane doesn't have a gender. (laughs) But it has an agenda. And that is to... Especially to bone as the... many humans the... as possible. Yeah. What's it trying to do? Breathe some sort of <gasps> flying human hybrid? Do you think? Oh, that'd be great. Plain people. Plain people. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> following year in October 1922, so she's been flying for Whoa. just under two years now. Is this after the war? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I skipped over the war. Sorry. Um, she flew the Airster, so the Canary, to an altitude of 14,000 feet, setting a world record for female pilots. That Really? Within two years of learning to fly? She's setting world records. That's impressive. World record for height in a plane. Altitude. Altitude, sorry. Layman's yes. terms. For, Lay fit, for a lady. Terms. Yeah. For a lady pilot, because they're different to man pilots. That is a funny one to have a different record for both. Yeah. It's pretty stupid, but it's a different time. But I'm guessing that she wouldn't have had a record otherwise, right? Otherwise, she, you would just be saying the height record. I guess so. So maybe think about that for a second. So it's, um, it's my fault now. I assume so. <laughs> I'm not really following what's going on. Me either. I'm just sort of agreeing with you to shut you up so I yep. can get on to the next sentence. I'm just trying to play the soy boy character as best as I can. And you're so good at it. Thank you. <laughs> Um, about six months later, in May of 1923, she became the 16th woman in the United States to be issued a pilot's license. So she was breaking world records without a license? Yeah. She's still learning. <laughs> breaking so she was... the, the records and breaking the rules. Yeah, sounds like it. 
as she puts on her aviators. Oh, that's badass. Pretty You sick. did say it was a badass. She's pretty badass. That is, that is, wow. 16th yeah. license. So her license says 000016. No, I think it has a more... A more intricate number, but that would be sick. If would it, be imagine awesome. number one. <laughs> zero, zero, zero. One. Well, you know what you know where it ends. <laughs> well, actually, but they're not the. I mean, they're not given different licenses, so it wouldn't be one, and she wouldn't be sixteen. It she would just be the next pilot to get a pilot's license. Oh, they don't yeah. have a separate lady license. It's not pink. Oh, oh different time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that system hadn't Unlike come in now. yet. <laughs> I've got my lady driver's license. I'm allowed to drive if my husband is with me <laughs> and he's had a few too many. <laughs> That's a cool system. Yeah, it's a good one. No, it's not, actually. No, it's a terrible no, it doesn't make any and sense it's not at all. real, and I Jess, don't need no man. Don't bring that system in. Is that what you're suggesting? You just talked over me as I said, I don't need no man. Excuse me, I think <laughs> I'll take it from here. <laughs> Anyway, so throughout this whole period as well, their family had been living mostly on the inheritance from Amy's mother who had passed away um, many oh, years earlier. Oh, the trust earlier. fund. Yeah, the trust fund. So what they're living a legend. on it. Uh, Amelia's mum, Amy, is sort of in charge of the trust. So she's kind of like administering the funds. But by 1924, the money had actually run out. Oh, gosh, she was not administering well. Well, I mean, uh, Amelia bought a plane, to be fair. Uh, I think <laughs> she had another plane as well. <laughs> I think she had two planes. planes. All right, this is the last money we have in the world. Spend it on a plane. All right, I need another plane. Um, I need a second plane. So the money's the money's run out, and with no immediate prospects of making a living flying, she sold her plane. Um, and yes, I just isn't that funny that she's she holds a world record for flying and, and she can't, can't get make work. A, yeah, I can't know. even get a job as a pilot. Yeah, that seems strange. But I wonder, but how much sort of work was there for? Flying back yeah. then, and how much of it is? Hey, I can go real high. <laughs> like that's great. Yeah, but can you get to the destination? Yeah, great. Yeah, <laughs> if it's real high in the sky. Yeah, yeah. if your destination is the moon. <laughs> <laughs> See that cloud? I could fly through it right now. Easy, no worries. Yeah. Watch me. Watch me. Um, well, Are you what, watching? What we really need to do is take a photo of this truck. So if you could do that, can I do it from really far away? <laughs> no. Can I do it from really high up? <laughs> no. Oh. It's hard making a living, man. It's hard. Um, So she sells her plane and then her parents finally get divorced um, and she and her mother then set out on a trip across the country, starting in California and ending up in Boston. Oh, wow. Wow, That's a big trip. (laughs) Road trip. She literally is trying to tick off every state. She's been everywhere. It's wild. And before the trip and during the trip, she underwent more operations on her sinus um, as she continued to have issues and was in pain from that. That nasty bout of Spanish flu. Right. So just constantly having um, sinuses. Yeah, I, I don't really understand the sinus. That's the thing that expands. Is that on the side of your head or the side of your nose? All up here, right. yeah, in your nose. And oh, but like, so that would be a pain in the ass. But you know when, like, you've got a cold or something, sometimes you sort of get headaches and stuff yes. too. It's all it's around. pressure thing. Sometimes your yeah. eyes hurt. Yeah. And it's I imagine around. flying very, very high in an right. unpressurized plane yeah. would affect that quite a lot. And it's before antibiotics. Um, so they just they do these weird operations that didn't really work. And apparently a few times even later on in her life she'd be in the plane, but she'd have like a little drainage tube up her nose trying to help Ugh. with the pressure. It was really bad. I wonder, you know, it's it's interesting to think back to those operations that you, at the time would have been state of the art, but yeah. they just had it, medical science had it wrong. What are the things we're doing now where it's going to be looked back upon as like, 
oh, that is not the way you solve back pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm always worried about stuff like laser hair removal. Right. I'm like, but if I find out one day that that causes skin cancer, there was an episode like, of sense. The Simpsons where they're in the future and um, Ned Flanders is blonde because he had laser eye surgery. Right. And he's like, yeah, we didn't realize at the time, but a few years later, our eyes just all fell out. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was maybe the Lisa getting married episode. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh. Or does it? I don't remember. The one with Hugh Grant? Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember that episode. I remember Lisa getting married. One of my favorite lines ever is Hugh Grant saying to uh, future Lisa, current Lisa at the time, <laughs> as a, she was he was bagging out the Simpsons as a family, and she was taking a bit of offense. No, 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 you're like a beautiful flower who grew out of a pot of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. It's a, it's a great line. So beautiful. Um, so in 1925, she again enrolled in Columbia University, but was forced to abandon her studies due to limited finances. So her mum couldn't afford her tuition anymore. So she bailed out of, uh, university. Like plain style? Yeah, she bailed out. <laughs> <laughs> limited <laughs> finances, unlimited finances. <laughs> wow. I don't know anymore. Just throwing caution to the wind here. Amelia Earhart style. Earhart. Aaron Eckhart style. That's Two-Face in Batman. All right. Having a little break over here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long I had a nice coffee over here. Okay. <laughs> and I'm off chop. Woo! <laughs> what did you have before that iced coffee? Pint of beer. Yeah, okay. And if, what have you eaten today? Not a lot. Yep, Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Wait, no, what did I have? I had some porridge. Is that it? And some toast with avocado. Mmm, yum. What is your life? Have a fucking meal. <laughs> <laughs> Are things that bad, man? And a spinach and ricotta roll. Okay, oh, here we go. All right. And a roast. As <laughs> 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 a snack. <laughs> Yeah, just in the car. <laughs> your order is out. You eat enough food for the day, but you just don't have it in the correct order. <laughs> you had the roast for breakfast. Yeah, roast for breakfast. I had a porridge snack. <laughs> all my hours are all out of whack at the moment. And I had that happen yesterday where I sort of had all these weird wishy-washy meals throughout the day. Mm. It's hungry. Got home about midnight. Made a big plate of pasta. <sighs> basically in bed within an hour. <laughs> It's like, that's not how so to do bad. food. Yeah. You're doing it wrong. That is not good. It's not no. good. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Yep. <laughs> so Amelia's dropped out of uni because of limited finances. So she finds uh, employment first as a teacher, and then she did some work as a social worker for a while as well. And she settled for a while in Medford, Massachusetts. Oh, she loves it up there, Massachusetts. Loves she does it. love it. And also, interesting that back in the day, you didn't need to have a uni to do many jobs. Yeah, yeah, true. Oh, I got kicked out of uni. I'm a teacher and a social worker now. <laughs> Why would anyone go to uni? Why would you go? Yeah. Why do we go now? Hmm. Well, someone's uh, been asking that for a while now. Well, Dave, if he followed through with his Doctor of Podcasts, that might have made some sense. <laughs> Thank you. But instead, he has a theatre degree. Yeah, and a Master of Global Communications. I'm whatever that means. <laughs> I'm definitely you using know. my <laughs> criminology degree. So yeah, my journalism's coming in handy. <laughs> Yeah, Matt takes a black light into every room. So it's just the <laughs> fingerprints. Oh, Ooh. fingerprints. Fingerprints. Right. Oh, all I found was a bunch of jeers. Anyway. <laughs> jeers Perkins. Um, 
So while she's uh, living in Medford, she maintained her interest in aviation, becoming a member of the American Aeronautical Society's Boston chapter and was eventually elected its vice president. Ooh, VP. VP. Um, She flew out of Denison Airport in Quincy, Massachusetts, and helped finance its operation by investing a small sum of money. So she's still flying, but I think she's flying for, like, other people. I don't think she has her own plane. Um, Why bother? I know. She also flew the first official flight out of Denison Airport in 1927, and along with acting as a sales representative for Kinner Aircraft in the Boston area, she wrote local newspaper columns promoting flying, and as her local celebrity grew, she laid out plans for an organisation devoted to female flyers. That'll come back up later. Oh. She's done a lot of jobs. She's like crazy passionate about flying though. And she like she slots it in everywhere she can. Ah, she loves it. It's do you, wanna, do do you think, think she loves it? Do you get the feeling she'd be dull to talk to because oh, obviously talk about it's flying? Hundred percent. Yeah. Like at a party, be like, oh, no, Amelia's coming over. Oh, no, I know, I know. Oh, hi. It's like she's so impressive, but sh- like w- read a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she'd probably be a bit much. But she loves it and respect. Now, do you guys remember another pilot called Charles Lindenberg? Oh, I remember Charles yes. Lindbergh. Lindbergh. Did I say Lindenberg? Is Lindenberg his less famous cousin with a very similar name? Yes. Do you remember Charles Lindenberg's cousin, Charles Lindbergh? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, uh, all right, dwarf, Dave. Dwarf, giant dwarf. I mean, you're usually the one to pick on me for saying things, but I do appreciate you coming to my aid this time. Thank you, hey guys. I'm happy to be ganged up upon. Just could not have my reputation out there with me not correcting you. With me not correcting you. Ivory Tower, Dave. Looking down with his dicky hands. (laughs) It's a dwarf tower. Anyway, so Charles Lind- after Charles Lindbergh's solo flight across the Atlantic back in 1927, a woman called Amy Guest expressed interest in being the first woman to fly or be flown across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Great stipulation. <laughs> how good is that? Couldn't care less. I'm how- going to fly. Well, someone else could drive from fly me, I guess. <laughs> That's how I want to make records. Being passenger. Yes. <laughs> She decided that the trip was too perilous for her to undertake, and she offered to sponsor the project, suggesting that they find another girl with the right image. Why? So they did a bikini contest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a Miss Atlantic Ocean (laughs) contest. Um, While at work one afternoon in April of 1928, Earhart got a phone call from Captain Hilton H. Rayleigh. Great name. That's fantastic. Hilton H. Who asked her, would you like to fly the Atlantic? H.H. And she said, hmm, let me think about it. Uh, yep. She said Whoa, yes. Whoa, she punked him. Whoa. She punked him. How like, long was that punk? He was like, <laughs> That's a short punk. Yeah. He was like, absolutely, yeah, you can think about it. Oh, mm-hmm. you oh, got what? me. Oh, no, 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 no. Whoop, 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 whoop. I'm sorry, it. are you, what have you, how have you got me here? <laughs> By agreeing to the thing I asked you to do? Oh, whoa, you got me. Oh, no, I got got it. So anyway, she travels to New York to be interviewed and met with project coordinators, including a, a publisher by the name of George Putnam. He'll come up again later too. Putnam, another great name. Wow. Loving all these names. Soon is she... That, that's not New York in, in New York, is it? New York, yes. Holy moly. <laughs> Loving all these names. George Putnam. Putnam. <gasps> Goody Putnam, one of the uh, yeah. crucible characters. I thought I knew the name Putnam. Anyway. Bring it back, Goody. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> 
So after uh, being interviewed and uh, that whole process, she was selected to be the first woman on a transatlantic flight as a passenger. <laughs> was the interview? Can you can you sit on a plane? Yes, you're hired. <laughs> yeah, done. Will you fit in the seat? Yes, great. Um, so the wisdom at the time was that such a flight was too dangerous for a woman to conduct herself. She can't do it. But they said she could be in charge of the flight log, so... <laughs> you can organise the snacks. You can do the admin. Hmm? Pick- like logs of wood. Women love admin. Yes. Was there some sort of a, a fire-powered plane? <laughs> yes. She was shoveling logs at the back. I actually do love admin, though. Yeah, I love a spreadsheet. Oh, I love a spreadsheet. Okay. Oh, let me use a few of those bloody give me that, formulas. Oh. Give me that Google Calendar. Oh, oh Google, Google Calendar. That's color-coded. You better believe it. Love that. Love to be organized. <laughs> <laughs> Such a Virgo. <laughs> Virgo season. Anyway, so. Why, why aren't I more organized then? Because you're a piece of shit. Right. I'm a piece of shit Virgo. Thank you. A piece yeah. of shit, I think she said. <laughs> Is that, is that a pun on Pisces? Pisces? God, that no. is. I thought you were going on a timeout. Yep. <laughs> it's good to remind him. So on June 17, 1928, uh, they took off from Trepassy Harbour, Newfoundland. I always say it wrong, but a Canadian friend told me how to say it. It looks like Newfoundland, but it's not Newfoundland. It's now Newfoundland. <laughs> how now Newfoundland? Newfin- Newfoundland. And the, na- the plane... Guess what the plane was named? Um, Think about the three of us. What's our best quality? Oh, sexy. <laughs> I was also going to say sexual chocolate. Okay, the plane was called Friendship. You pervert. Okay. Oh, no kinking shaming. <laughs> I'm not kinking shaming. <laughs> I'm just saying that we're friends. Were you earlier in this very episode? What? You retracted friend and changed it to colleague. <laughs> they should have called it the colleague. <laughs> the <laughs> colleagues. That sounds classy. Ooh, wow. yeah. Ooh. Ooh. The flying briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> a little plane called Friendship. And accompanying her on the flight was well really she's accompanying them, isn't she? But anyway, That's a Simpsons also on reference the flight. to that as well. The I was friendship. thinking the same thing, yeah. <laughs> Here comes the friendship. Ooh. <laughs> Lost a nail. <laughs> Mr. Burns, uh, Pin Pals, the bowling episode against the Holy Rollers. Anywho, I reckon Amelia, Eka, <laughs> Amelia Earhart has been mentioned on The Simpsons, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Just Lisa Maybe dress up one of the it? dolls or, you know, when there was all yes. the... Yeah, the, the Barbie. L- Lisa Lionheart? Yeah. Was it something to do with that? Or... Maybe. I'm sure that it gets rep- – anyway, it doesn't matter. Do they also have it, doesn't, sus- it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It and doesn't long matter. Report. I, will not, I will not Google it. I also think there was a serious – You're possibly- literally Googling it now. Surprise judge when uh, someone was on trial. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so on the flight was pilot Wilma Bill Stultz and co-pilot and mechanic Louis Slim Gordon. And Wilma is a man. Wilma's a man. Right, just want to confirm. Bill, his name is Bill. Bill, just want to Wilma, confirm because it'd be funny yeah. if they were like, you're going to be the first female passenger on a plane. Now meet your pilot, this female. Yeah. She's had two weeks of lessons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amelia's like, no, no, I'm really good at this. Yes, but Wilma's had two weeks yeah, of lessons. From a man. <laughs> Did you learn from a man? No. No, that's right. So approximately 20 hours and 40 minutes later, they touched down at Bury Point in Wales. 
That's in the United Kingdom. Wow. A different continent. Huge. 20 hours, 40 minutes. That's a long flight. When interviewed after landing, she said, Stoltz did all the flying. Had to. I was just baggage. Like a sack of potatoes. (laughs) Had to. to. But then she added, maybe someday I'll try it alone. Oh, I love it. Bit of sizzle. Um, I'm sure they won't come back. (laughs) When the Stoltz, Gordon and Earhart flight crew returned to the United States, they were greeted with a ticker tape parade along the Canyon of Heroes in Manhattan, followed by a reception with President Calvin Coolidge at the White House. Wow. Not enough ticker tape parades these days, can Mm. I just say. Ticker tape. Cannot remember the last one I went to. God, it's fun to say, though. Ticker tape. Ticker tape, ticker tape, ticker tape, tape, tape. Matt, do you want to have a go? Just leave that car sitting in a heap, coming to ticket tape where everything's cheap. So we're going off script, uh, referencing a pick apart ad. <laughs> it's a tight reference, and everyone, everyone will enjoy got it. it. David. Everyone didn't need to enjoy it. it. Yeah. That was for the international listeners. From Mogadishu to Washington, we all got that reference. So some newspapers and magazines um, began referring to Amelia as Lady Lindy because she had a slightly similar appearance to Charles Lindbergh, who people affectionately called Lucky Lindy. So they oh. called her Lady Lindy because they were both pilots. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, basically. And his wife's like, um, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, really, I am Lady Lindy. I really got really to put my hand up there. Um, I'll stop you right there. So she's um she's growing more and more famous and Hell popular. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't get a ticket tape parade unless you're famous and popular. You don't. So in 1928, she wrote a book about aviation. Of course, she did because all she bloody talks about and her transatlantic experience. And the book was called Twenty Hours, Forty Minutes. They weren't good at naming books back then, were they? They had they had all the options then. Twenty hours, forty minutes. Hmm. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone wasn't taken. She could have called you it have that. anything, you know? So many options. I was just trying to think of another Harry Potter and I just blanked. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That was also available. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh. Mm. Yeah, different. Very different. <laughs> I would have called it Fly. <laughs> yeah. You probably, she probably could have had that back then. Yeah. No one else had thought of that. You would have called it Flying. Yeah. Flying. Bracket. The book. Oh, I like it. Just and in the in in the inside, there's a thing you can tear out and turn into a paper airplane. Perfect. It's got a, just a page. That's fun. So um, she puts out her book, and uh, it was published by uh, George Putnam. We spoke about <gasps> Goody before. Putnam's husband. <laughs> and um, he heavily promoted her through a book and lecture tour and product endorsements. She was like a big celeb. Not enough lecture tours either these days. Yeah. She also, I'm pretty sure she had like a clothing line for a while there. Not enough clothing lines these days. It was so, she was huge. Um, so she actually actively became involved in the promotions, especially with women's fashion. Like, oh, fashion. Fashion. Now I'm interested. So for years she'd sewn her own clothes, but mm. now she contributed her input to a new line of women's fashion that embodied a sleek and purposeful yet feminine look. Yeah, because you don't want to sleek and purposeful. Oh, well, oh it's we, very manly. Men are wearing this. Is what's going on? Oh, and feminine. There oh, thank we God. go. Thank God. Nice twist on an old classic. That's the trifecta. <laughs> I want to look sleek, purposeful, and feminine. Do you get, was it? Do you think was it all just cli- cli- flying, flying, 
inspired clothes. It was like leather um, jackets, aviators. Apparently, it was a lot of patches. like linen and stuff that wouldn't really crease, so you could pack it easily. I guess that's a good idea. It is a good idea. It was all made out of parachute material, parachute yeah. pants. pants yep. <laughs> she was wearing parachute pants. Sleek, <laughs> like parachute feminine. So these celebrity endorsements helped her finance her flying, basically. She would just, like, take all the money and then just put it back into flying. So she accepted a position as associate editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. What? She's really branched out. Working with Ida Buttrose. And what do you reckon she did while she was at Cosmo? What do you reckon she... What kind of articles... Or... Sealed section. Yeah, obviously. Dolly Doctor. Oh, about was She was a nurse for a bit. <laughs> I was say. <laughs> That's what her, her column was called. Yeah. No. Nope. 14,000... Foot High Club. No one's got that high yet. She turned it was it... actually called Fucking and Flying. It was a different time. <laughs> FNF. FNF. She turned it into an opportunity to campaign for greater public acceptance of aviation, <laughs> especially focusing on the role of women entering the field. Of course she did. And in 1929, she was among the first aviators to promote commercial air travel. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Uh, through the development of passenger airline services. So she was like, yeah, get people on planes. Right. She loves planes. Yeah, she really sounds like she's got a passion for flying. Mm. And all things aviation. Mm, how yeah. strange that we only remember these days for her fashion line. Yeah. All these yeah. Years Sleek, <laughs> powerful, feminine. <laughs> That's her, her fragrance. Ode. I just when I saw her name before looking her up, she was mentioned in a Simpsons episode, episode four thirty two. But anyway, her name's spelt E A R. Yeah, so even reading it now, I keep going to say Earheart. But it's air. It is Earheart. So Hmm. also in nineteen twenty nine, a lot happening for her. George Putnam divorced his wife and started a courtship with Amelia. No. Goody Putnam. But being the independent, progressive and modern lady that she was, she was hesitant. He proposed six times before she finally 
gave in. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Wore her down. It was a different time. There was a lot more wearing down Why? of people. Take a hint. It's trying she to... said no. You reckon you get to five and you think... I'm out of the I'm out of the woods here. He's never going to ask again. Five times, no, six times, bang! She's not expecting it, but she has to say yes. Was it the? It was the thing. It was expected. You've got to you got to play this dance. It's like an old school thing. Or I reckon you should just have a chat to each other after you say no the first time. Maybe mm. have a chat. He's like, ooh, I'll get you next time. All right, no. all right, wouldn't Mr. Putnam. Be like all rejected and sad. Talk to him. I'd move cities. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd move countries. But the problem is you move cities and she moves around so much you'd probably end up in the same place oh, again. God, you know she, that's why I move countries. What's she like? What's she like What's she like? So anyway, they get engaged. Uh, after the, the sixth. After a substantial amount of hesitation, yes. Um, and they got married on the 7th of Feb, 1931, in uh, Putnam's mother's house in Connecticut. Romantic. Connecticut. Mum's mm, house. That's Connecticut. A new, yeah, new we've... State. Seriously, I would love someone to go back and tick off how many states she's been. Feels like we're in about 15. She's covered so many. She referred to her marriage as a partnership with dual control. And on the day of their wedding... So she put it into airplane parlance. (laughs) Of course she did. Uh, Flying with him, I mean, being married to him. (laughs) Feels like a a partnership. (laughs) On their wedding day, she presented George with a handwritten letter and she wrote, I want you to understand I shall not hold you to any medieval code of faithfulness to me, nor shall I consider myself bound to you similarly. She said, I may have to keep some place where I can go be by myself now and then, for I cannot guarantee to endure at all times the confinement of even an attractive cage. (laughs) Nice one. But again, you think you'd mentioned that before the marriage. Yeah, not on the day Just to make sure that you're both understanding how it's going to be. Like I'm still my own person. Yeah, we're married now. Great. Also, these are the rules. Sorry, what? Yeah. Calling it a cage is full-on language. An attractive cage, though. Yeah. Don't try and trap me. So it's interesting because that's what you would, someone who flies is trapped in a cage, right? Wow. Like uh, a little canary that we, no, <laughs> I'm thinking back to a different podcast we recorded today, sorry. <laughs> you, your pet you? bird died. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. You were sitting there, I was sitting here. Yeah, true. I've we're done a lot of podcasts today. Yeah. Sorry, edit that out. Or don't. No, who cares? Listen, don't you know who I am to it's, get the context? It's late and this comes out tomorrow. It's going up exactly Shit, yeah. as it is. Exactly. Oh, no. So tomorrow, Jess and I are on Josh Earl's Don't You Know Who I Am podcast. Very funny time with Broden, Kelly, and Evan Monroe Smith, the mm. second banana on Primates. It was an absolute dream team. So good. Matt and it's... I got to do a lot of Broden impressions. Oh, oh Broden Kelly. No, no, I'm I love airplanes. I'm really, really hard right. really good. Ruh, 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 ruh. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, she's not not really keen on marriage, but she's married. And her ideas on marriage were pretty liberal for the time, as she believed in equal responsibilities for both breadwinners. She believed in separate cages. She pointedly kept her own name rather than being referred to as Mrs. Putnam. I love that. Because there was Back already then. Mrs. Putnam out there. Yeah, true. Goody Putnam. Putnam's a good name, but Earhart's better. Earhart's way better. And when the New York Times, um, as per the rules of its style book, insisted on referring to her as Mrs. Putnam, she laughed it off. She's like, <laughs> that's not me. I'm Miss Earhart. I don't I wouldn't ch- I don't think I'd change that. Would you change name Dave or Jess? I don't think it's really a problem for you. Um, what do you anyone can do it. People do it. Yeah, true. 
That's a new age. That's uh, a, it's probably a bigger statement for men to change it than it is for women to not change it now. Yeah, yeah definitely. I've yeah. decided to not change my name. People are like, why are you telling me this? Ding, day? ding, ding. You're like, oh, speech, speech. <laughs> oh, yeah. So thanks for coming. Obviously, we got through all the. Well, the formalities of the wedding, but I wanted to say, yes, I've come to a decision. I'm going to keep my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Dave. We, yeah. <laughs> Looking at my cue card, pause for applause. <laughs> no? Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, you're all sick fucks okay. for not supporting me. Yeah, all right. I get it. You want to keep me in my cage. Well, no. Um, I, I like Perkins. Perkins is great, so. And uh, it's, it's my name. Also... My partner's surname is Simpson, so I'd be Jessica Simpson. So that's not happening. Jessica Simpson. Where did I love? I reckon Jessica Simpson is definitely on the downward spiral of her career. No offense, Jessica. You are definitely on the upward trajectory. You could be the more famous. I think that you could overtake her within 10 years. If you became willing to put in that word. Don't you think you. Yeah, but if I you think type you... Jessica Simpson into Wikipedia, you'd come up and it would say, not to be confused with Jessica Simpson, the former soap star or pop star. Right. right. Yeah, Jessica Simpson, I imagine a lot of our listeners won't even know who that is. Bullshit. Come on, Nick Lachey, newly wed. She asked if tuna was chicken or fish. She's an idiot. I reckon you could and take I'm her sure down. And I'm sure a nice person, but like an, an idiot. You could take her down. I, c- I could easily. You could step into those shoes. Those boots. Oh, yeah, right. Nice. (laughs) Anyway, fuck. So (laughs) Amelia's too busy for a honeymoon, right? So after the wedding, straight back to work for her. Too busy. So did her husband go on a honeymoon on his own? (laughs) He went to Barbados. (laughs) Uh, I think it's pronounced Barbados. Thank you. I always get that one wrong. Um, Her public persona presented as gracious, if somewhat shy, and a woman who displayed remarkable talent and bravery, which are true things of her, but on the inside, she was determined to distinguish herself as different from the rest of the world. She was an intelligent and competent pilot, pilot, but she was not a brilliant aviator. She knew that. Really? Wait, what? okay, what's the difference? Yeah, how do you define that for us, Jess? What do you mean? Like, she's intelligent and competent, but she's not brilliant. Oh, just because you said pilot and aviator, I thought you were... Differentiating between the two. Great pilot, terrible aviator. No, gotcha. I'm just saying. You're just for a variety of. Yeah, you she's an intelligent and competent words. pilot, but she was not a good pilot. I mean, that's just confusing. What I mean is, she wasn't a freak of nature. She worked really hard, right? And her skills kept pace with aviation during the first decade of the century. But as technology moved forward and got more sophisticated, and the radio and navigation equipment changed, she. Uh, continued to kind of fly by instinct rather than learning a lot of the new stuff. She recognised her limitations, though, and she continuously worked to improve her skills. Um, but the constant promotion and touring that she was doing never really gave her the time that She's she needed to catch up. She's also in a band? Lecture touring. Is that worth oh, it? Sorry. Is that worth it? I think so. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd went wild. The touring, yeah, so she could never quite fully catch up. Oh, was a victim of her own success. Yeah. Same with us. Am I right? <laughs> 201 episodes. I don't have time to podcast anymore. I'm out there just doing lecture tours. Yeah. yeah. I'm out there telling people how to podcast. <laughs> yeah, rather than actually still podcasting. Yeah, I'm just going to go tell people how to. This podcast has been on autopilot for about 150 hey, are weeks. Like, are there uni courses in podcasting or something? Could we end up being professors? I reckon we could. I want to be called Prof. Ah, uh, Prof of Pod. Oh. No, nah, I'm going to be cool and they can just call me Jess. Oh, cool. Prof, Prof- Perkins. Oh, actually, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, 
Anyway. Perkins of podcasting. I'm just giving you a little insight there into... Our future careers. No, what she's like. Oh, sorry. Yes. What's she like? The topic of this report. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. So she's not actually a great pilot, but she's a great lecture tourer. She's amazing. That's what that. I got from that. She's a very, she's a good pilot, but she's not like a freak of nature. She has to work hard at it. You know, you know how some people work really hard at comedy and others are just freakishly good at it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. With their work. Not using any examples. Some Which people are, work really hard and some people are just naturally really good. Um, that's Great. And uh, you didn't point to me for either, so <laughs> that's that's offensive. <laughs> But yeah. also, she's doing it in a podcast. No one knows which one was which. Yeah, right. no one knows that I was pointing, Dave. That was just a little, little stab for in I the thought, room. But it's also where I, you were. Your stab was that I work hard and you're naturally talented. I wish that was true. Yeah, neither of us work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> we should work. Imagine if we worked hard. Oh my god, the world would be at our feet. God, I'd I reckon we probably would have conquered comedy. <laughs> We would have clocked it. Yeah. Instead, we're just sort of going along by instinct. Yeah, just like Amelia Earhart, <laughs> real famous tour in the world. Yeah, yuck. So she set her sights on establishing herself as a respected aviator. Shortly after returning from her 1928 transatlantic flight, she set off on a successful solo flight across North America. Um by making the trip in August of 1928, she became the first woman to fly solo across of the North American continent and back. So she did do it. Yeah. Pretty soon after as well. Yeah, yeah, quite soon after. Wow. So you, you sort of stress that she's just a competent sort of flyer, but she still did a lot of firsts. So was it – what was it? It was just that she was more adventurous than others or – Yeah, maybe. She's backed herself, I guess. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I don't know. As in like what what drove her to do things. Yeah, maybe she was just like, I'll do it. It Give wasn't it like she goes, oh, I'm the only one who can do this. She was just the one, I, the one I'm who did. have a bloody the go. The one who had a go, yeah. I think that's probably a lot of pioneers are like that potentially as well, right? They yeah. they beat down new paths and then others follow. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty, uh, pretty big, bold <laughs> call I just made. Uh, so. No, but I know <laughs> what you mean. Philosophical podcast. Yeah, welcome back to the hey, philosophy of... Please. Um, Dave just removing the loudest jacket in the world. Um, I reckon that no one would have heard that <laughs> because it was pretty deftly done. Deftly. Before Dave uh, started yawning to the side but completed it right into the mic. So that's for those who heard that. that was... <laughs> <laughs> Don't remember that happening. <laughs> he starts to be like... Ugh. <laughs> The, the quietest part of the yawn was. Oh, boy! <laughs> oh, did you? Sorry, did you pick up on that? Did you? Is this thing on? Oh, kill that? me! <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna, I might skip over some stuff here. No, 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 because we're only just getting up to the part that she's the most famous for. And oh, what is it? The fashion line. I thought it was flying planes. Yeah, but she. She did. She did. She did that. Okay. Well, two more. Two more things before I get to the the big thing, and then there's more. So, yep. Okay. Um. So in the the year after she did the North America trip, uh, she entered the first Santa Monica to Cleveland Women's Air Derby, Derby, placing third. So it's like a it's a race. It's a race. Um. In 1931, 
She uh, powered a Petacan PCA2. I don't know what any of that is. But she set the world That's altitude record. <laughs> she ba- she- On a motorbike. <laughs> wow. That, that I'd be impressed. I'd be impressed. 14,000 feet on a motorbike. She got that ramp out again. <laughs> 18,000 feet. Whoa. 18,415 feet. Could you put that in a subway sub? <laughs> <laughs> There's about 18,415 of them. Whoa. Footlongs. I think we, her cameras. talent obviously is flying high because in the race she's only third. But the the height, she's number one all the time. Right. That's, that's her talent, right? Sure. And also, yeah, her sinuses are – I wonder if that's, oh. if that's coincidence. What do you mean? That her well, sinuses she's, are constantly blowing up. And she's also hits the highest altitudes of, of everyone. It would be worse, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Is that why she has these problems? Because she's always – no, it was because she got sick. Right. Not connected at all. Not connected. What a silly thing for me to have said. <laughs> I apologise to all, especially the doctors listening. And during this time as well, she became involved with the 99s, which is an organisation of female pilots advancing the cause of women in aviation. She had called the meeting of female pilots uh, in 1929 following um, the, the race that she was in, and she suggested the name based on the number of uh, original members, and she later became the organisation's first president in 1930. I imagine that would make you furious. <laughs> T- why? The original amount of members was 99. They couldn't oh. find one more. For some reason I thought, I was thinking of the number 30, and I was like, no, I'm so mm. fine with 30. Yeah, 99. Get one more. Do any of you have a friend? <laughs> Get her in. Oh, But the hundreds wouldn't sound very good. I like the 99s. Yeah. That's cool. Um, anyway, so she was a, a vigorous advocate for female pilots, and uh, in 1934 um, there was a race, the the Bendix Trophy race, banned women from competing, and she refused. She, apparently, she was asked to fly screen actress Mary Pickford to Cleveland as like a, a celebrity to be there for the opening of the race, and she refused to because they banned women from the race. So she what was a like a real thing. pioneer. It's so strange to be banning. I just don't understand the logic of that. Well, yeah. Well, I guess like a lot of horse racing, women couldn't compete for a long time, right? I would have said, well, uh, we've found science has told us that the woman's brain is not quite big enough to fly. <laughs> <laughs> the woman's sinuses cannot handle it. I have sinus trouble and I just got to 18,000 feet last week. No, so. you didn't. <laughs> you must be a man then. <laughs> Did your husband? You've, well, you've got a short haircut. What are you trying to pull here, sir? <laughs> enough of that. Um, your name's Emilio. Uh, anyway, so the main thing that she's probably the most famous for is her transatlantic solo flight in 1932. So uh, she was 34 years old at the time, and it was May 20, 1932. She set off from Harbour Grace uh, in Newfoundland. She intended to fly to Paris in a single-engine uh, plane. I, I mean, I, I've got the what they are here, but I don't know what any of them are. It's a plane, um, and she was basically trying to uh, recreate Charles Lindbergh's solo flight from five years earlier. So she's going to go. She's aiming to to fly to Paris. Um, after a flight lasting fourteen hours fifty six minutes, um, she contended with strong northerly winds, really icy conditions, and had some mechanical problems as well. She landed not in Paris but in a, a pasture north of Derry in Northern Ireland. So she was realising she wasn't going to make it to Paris. She was having heaps of mechanical issues, so she was like, I've got to land. Just landed in a field. She landed in Northern Ireland in a field. And uh, there was uh, a couple of people there 
witnessed the plane landing and somebody, a farmhand asked, "Where have you flown far? And she said, from America. <laughs> That's pretty far. It's pretty far. So she was the, the first woman to fly solo nonstop across the Atlantic. So that counts, doesn't it? So it counts. It. I mean, she still made it. She just didn't quite get to the exact spot that Charlie did, but she still made it across. Um, and and because of this, she received several accolades. She got uh, the Distinguished Flying Cross, the Cross of uh, Knight of the Legion of Honour from the French government, and the Gold Medal of the National Geographic Society from President Hoover. And the gold medal in figure skating. <laughs> we just had an extra one. We had an extra one. I like how France was still like, I oh, didn't really make it here, but we want to be involved anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. You got close-ish. Um, so she took on several other solo flights in the coming years. Um, in uh, 1935, she became the first aviator f- to fly solo from Honolulu to Oakland in California. And um, it had been attempted by many others with no success. But she had a really smooth, routine flight. She even um, spent some time in her final hours relaxing and listening to the broadcast of the Metropolitan Opera from New York. She just listened to the radio. Wow. Having a great time. The same year she flew solo from um, L.A. to Mexico um, and <laughs> I mean that's less impressive. Depending, I, was I, d- I mean, say. depending on where in Mexico you land, of course. If it's yeah, Tijuana, just south of the border. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next record attempt was a non-stop flight from Mexico to New York, uh, and okay. she she set off on the eighth of May, and her flight was uneventful, um, but totally successful. And large crowds that greeted her in New Jersey were concerned because she had to be careful not to taxi into the crowd. <laughs> There's so many people and they're just standing there like, the plane's coming Whoa! right for us. This is amazing. I can't believe how close it's coming. Wow. I'm about to touch the plane with my face. <laughs> Whoa. I'm going to be on the news. <laughs> face plane man. Um, later in 1935, Amelia Earhart joined uh, Purdue University as a visiting faculty member to counsel women on careers and as a technical advisor to its Department of Aeronautics. But she still had a goal she wanted to achieve. She said, one flight which I most wanted to attempt, a circumnavigation of the globe, as near its waistband as could be. Um, But for this new venture, she was going to need a new plane. Mm. So the following year, uh, a Lockheed Electra 10E was built at Lockheed Aircraft Company to her specifications, which included extensive modifications to the fuselage. How good is that word? Fantastic word. Oh, that's fantastic. Fun word. Have a go. Fuselage. Oh, so good. I've added a syllable. Yeah. <laughs> so by this stage as well, I imagine she's she's making a comfortable living and she's she's like a celebrity yeah. pilot now. Yeah, I think she's doing fine. And you she and really George are together. Anymore, Apart from John Travolta, there's not really any celebrity pilots. I mean, the guy from Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah, that's Bruce true. Bruce Dickinson. Dickinson. The Bruce Dickinson. Um, he wears gold-plated diapers. It's a different Bruce Dickinson. Oh, how many Bruce Dickinsons are Who's the gold-plated diaper Bruce? That's Christopher Walken and the cowbell sketch. <laughs> oh, fantastic. The Bruce Dickinson. Um, Important thing to bring up. <laughs> Um, so Amelia chose Captain Harry Manning as her navigator. He was also a skilled pilot and radio operator who knew Morse code. Ooh. The original plan was a two-person crew. Um, Amelia would fly and Manning would navigate. But during a flight across the country that included uh, Amelia Earhart, 
Manning and uh, Amelia's husband George, um, Amelia was flying using landmarks, so she was she kind of knew where she was going. So she she it's like almost like she didn't need a navigator. Well, but I imagine that when you're flying over the ocean, that is a bit different. Very hard to do. Exactly. But All right, is... I haven't seen the Eiffel Tower for a while. <laughs> I reckon we're heading in the right direction. There's a few tests though. So she and Putnam knew where they were. Manning did a, a navigation in the fix. Sky. So he was navigating, um, but that alarmed Putnam because Manning's position put them in the wrong state. They were flying close to the border, so the the navigation error was minor, but Putnam was a bit concerned. He didn't quite trust this guy's navigation skills. So sometime later, he arranged a flight to test Manning's navigational skills at night, and under poor navigational conditions, Manning's position was off by 20 miles. Some, no, well, some consider it reasonable because it's within a, a, a acceptable error of 30 miles. Right. But Putnam wanted a better navigator. So they got a guy called Fred Noonan on board who was subsequently chosen as second navigator. So the original plan was for Noonan to navigate from Hawaii to Howland Island, um, which is a, pr- a pretty difficult part of the flight, and then Manning would continue with Earhart to Australia and then she would proceed on her own for the remainder. I don't know why. She's dropping people off on the way. I guess so. I mean, how are they getting back? There are other planes. Just parachuting out? Yeah. Off you go. Bye. Parachuting pants out. <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Girls are all there. <laughs> they wear parachute pants? Sure. I think of the Golden Girls, I think parachute pants. Parachute pants. Oh, there you go. So uh, their first attempt, which tells you how it's going to go. Great was on March 17, 1937. She and her crew flew the first leg from Oakland, California to Honolulu, Hawaii. But due to some technical and mechanical issues with the plane, the aircraft needed to be serviced in Honolulu, and the flight resumed three days later. But during the takeoff, there was an uncontrolled ground loop. The forward landing gear collapsed. Both propellers hit the ground, and the plane skidded on its belly, and a portion of the runway was damaged. Not um, the runway. <laughs> <laughs> Not the runway. There's a little, there was a scratch in the bitumen. <laughs> but there's a bit of a, the cause of what happened was a little bit controversial. Some witnesses said that they saw a tire blow. Others say it was pilot error. Ooh. Bit di- big, big difference. How would a witness know it was the pilot's fault? Yeah, exactly. From a distance. I reckon the pilot stuffed up and popped the tire. Yeah. Do a burnout. Oh, don't actually do it. <laughs> Shit. Do a flip. <laughs> Though no one was seriously hurt, the plane was uh, pretty badly damaged. and had The to plane be... was a little embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> the plane had to be shipped back to California for extensive repairs. So in the interim, uh, Earhart and Putnam secured additional funding for a new flight. Are they going for a speed record too? Like if it takes three months to get the plane back. Like I circumnavigated the globe in six months. <laughs> Great, we could do that in a ship in like cool. six weeks. Yeah, great. Um, the stress of the delay and the gruelling fundraising appearances left Amelia exhausted. By the time the plane was repaired, weather patterns and global wind changes required alterations to the flight plan. So this time she was going to fly east. So she flew uh, to Miami, Florida, and then she... New state. She and Noonan. Oh, Yeah took off on June 1st from Miami with much fanfare and publicity. The plane flew towards Central and South America, turning east for Africa. Turn east! <laughs> I love that idea. Like, yeah. you've got to follow a road in the air. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, in 300 metres, turn left. Where we're going, we don't need roads. 
Um, from there, the plane crossed the Indian Ocean and finally touched down in Leh in New Guinea on 29th of June, 1937. Um, so they'd done about 22,000 miles of their journey and they had 7,000 to go. And that 7,000 would take place over the Pacific Ocean. So in Leh, she contracted dysentery, which lasted for several days. And while she recuperated, several necessary adjustments were made to the plane. A toilet was installed. <laughs> <laughs> Her seat was just turned yeah. into a toilet. It's dysentery, the shit yourself. Oh, yeah. like so badly. They just cut a hole in the floor. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, are you ki- saying, are you, have you had dysentery? I haven't had dysentery, no. But it's it was like it killed people in the war. Right. People died from dysentery. Right. I feel bad. like there was dysentery maybe in the uh, Shackleton episode. Yeah, yeah, often you get people together like that, not eating properly. You and... just shit yourself to death. Oh, that, what a way to go. And they didn't have hydrolite back then. Right. Oh, really, you know? Oh, man, if they we only could... had gastrolite. Do you reckon we could get an, an ad for hydrolite? Because I love that shit. I'm up shit. for that. Well, I'll hold my judgment until payment is made. Oh, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> could be swayed. Yeah, my love could is be that bought. good? I don't know. Yeah. Does that work? So anyway, they're making a few adjustments. Apparently, they um, they packed away the parachutes. There'd be no need for them. Oh no, no! That I mean, you would you would not mention that unless that came up again. Keep the parachute no, pants just, on at I mean, all times. Yeah, yeah. Keep your pants on. Come Jeez. on, Betty White, don't be a silly. <laughs> so their plan was to head for Howlands Island, which was uh, two and a half thousand miles away, situated between Hawaii and Australia, and it's like a flat sliver. It says sliver of land. It's only about but a sliver, but a sliver of land. Uh, it's about six thousand five hundred feet long, sixteen hundred feet wide, and no more than twenty feet above the ocean. Can you even land on that? Apparently, they can. Do but you... how do you find it? It's oh. in the middle of the ocean. Is Manning there, or is she by herself now? No, so Fred's she... with her now. The Fred. better the oh, better the... navigator is with her, but it's still going to be really hard. What? They even said like it will be hard to spot. Uh, to distinguish it from similar-looking cloud shapes. It could look like a cloud. <laughs> Quick, land on that cloud. <laughs> oh, oh, God. We, we kind of – did we skip over the Australia bit? Is it, so there's a place in Australia where she landed. There's probably a little plaque somewhere we could go visit. No, she's heading that way now. <gasps> wow. Yeah. She's heading – she's in New Guinea and she's heading to Australia. Right. Um, via Howland Island, which is a sandbank by the sounds of it. Sliver. Um, so to meet this challenge, she and Noonan had an elaborate plan with several contingencies. In case of overcast skies, they had no rate. Oh, sorry, they did have radio communication with a U.S. Coast Guard vessel called uh, Itasca. Itasca. Beautiful um, name. Which was Ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> they were all off job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the the ship Itasca was stationed off Howland Island, so it was kind of nearby. So they had right, radio look contact. Look for the ship. Look for the ship. Look for the ship, and then they could communicate with them. They're like, all right, so we've got that. Sadly, um, there was also ships parked next to clouds. It was <laughs> it's very, very confusing. confusing. <laughs> they could also use their maps, compass, and uh, the position <laughs> of the rising sun. <laughs> I love that's plan B. Use the map. Use the map. Got a compass? Where's the sun? <laughs> They also had an emergency plan to ditch the plane if need be, believing the empty fuel tanks would give the plane some buoyancy, as well as time to get into their small inflatable raft and just wait for rescue. <laughs> as well as time to get into their swimwear. Yeah. Gotta I look thought, good. I thought you were saying abandon the plane in the air and just yeah, start flying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it from here. <laughs> we assume we can fly. Has anybody checked? 
Um, so they set out from Leigh on the 2nd of July, 1937, uh, heading east towards Howland Island. Um, though the flyers seemed to have a well-thought-out plan, several early decisions led to the grave consequences later on. Oh, oh grave is a bad word. Oh, no. Why would she mention that unless someone was going to go in a Not grave? Not watery grave consequences, oh, no. hopefully. So they um, they left behind radio equipment with shorter wavelength frequencies, presumably to allow more room for fuel canisters. <laughs> but this equipment could broadcast radio signals further distances. And due to inadequate quantities of high-octane fuel, the Electra carried about 1,000 gallons, which was 50 gallons short of full capacity. So it didn't have enough fuel. Oh, dear. <laughs> The Electra's crew ran into difficulty almost from the start. Witnesses on uh, witnesses of the takeoff reported that a radio antenna may have been damaged. It's also believed that due to the extensive overcast conditions, Noonan might have had extreme difficulty uh, navigating. Um, if that wasn't enough, it was later discovered that they were using maps that may have been inaccurate. Oh so they're God. not off to a great start. Oh, and where according- did they get the map from? McDonald's or something? <laughs> it came with a burger. <laughs> It was in a Happy Meal. Um, according to experts, evidence shows that the charts used by Noonan and Earhart placed Howland Island nearly six miles off its actual position. Right, and it's about, what, a third of a mile wide. It's so, so that's small. That's really off. So they can't find anything. Um, so, on the, on the, so they left at about 12.30pm uh, on July 2nd. Wait. PM. That's just the afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. But then it lunch. talks about the morning of the same day. So maybe they mean AM. Do they leave at midnight? But did they cross a time zone? Maybe. Oh. On the morning of the same day at 7.20 AM, she reported her position, placing the Electra on a course of 20 miles southwest uh, of the Nakumanu Islands. Um, at 7.42, the Itasca, Itasca, what did I say the plane was? A tasker. That's the ship? Yep. Ship, thank you. Picked up this message from Earhart. It says, we must be on you, but we cannot see you. Fuel is running low. Been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at a 1,000 feet. The ship replied, but there was no indication that she'd heard them. Um, the flyer's last communications were at 8.43. Though the transmission was marked as questionable, it's believed that Earhart and Noonan thought they were running along the north-south line. However, Noonan's chart of Howland's position was off by five nautical miles. So the... Well, I think that's... Nautical miles are quite big too, aren't they? I think that's a lot. That's a lot. A why, do they, why do they do that, Dave? Why not just have... Miles. Miles. I couldn't tell you no, why. I don't know either. Well, I don't know you didn't ask me, but... I don't know why I thought Dave would know. No, because Dave knows everything. He just right. has these weird facts in his head, but he let us down this time. Let's look into it. I think it was just because he said nautical miles, they're longer, and I yeah. went, yeah, as we all know, sure. obviously. And why is that again? So the ship released its oil burners in an attempt to signal to the plane. Like, I guess, you know, pre-flares. Uh, yeah, right. Um, But it didn't, you know, they... The plane didn't see them or they didn't hear anything from them. So when the ship realised that they'd lost contact, they began an immediate search because this is a Coast Guard ship. So despite the efforts of 66 aircraft and nine ships, an estimated $4 million rescue authorised by uh, President Franklin D. Roosevelt. She's, uh, she's moved through some presidents. I know, I hasn't she? that's what happens when time passes. Yeah, weird. <coughs> the fate of the two flyers remained a mystery. The official search ended on July 18, 1937, but Putnam 
financed additional search efforts, working off tips of naval experts and even psychics in an attempt to find his wife. In October 1937, he acknowledged that any chance of Earhart and Noonan surviving was gone. And the following year, on January 5th, Earhart was declared legally dead by the Superior Court in Los Angeles. Right. I, they disappeared. I, I, is there another twist <coughs> coming? Nope. I did not know that's how it ended. It is still a mystery. Really? People claim to all the time be like, these are the bones of Amelia Earhart. When you Google oh. her, there's articles from like 12 hours ago. Stuff's happening now. Yeah, I reckon right. three weeks ago there was a, a photo that people believed that they could see her plane in the background of. Oh, right. Well, yeah. I've got a from couple of... From the time of, or from she's the... still flying today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's still going. She can't land. All the time. Oh, she hasn't found the... The brown girl who flies alone. She is a Don't ghost. speak me out. It's late at night. So, yeah, it's still a mystery and there's a couple of different um, theories. I'm nearly done. A couple of theories... Uh, Well, there's heaps, actually. There's lots of conspiracy theories about what happened to them. But the biggest two theories, one is that the plane that they were flying in was ditched or or crashed and the two perished at sea. That seems to make sense. Um, Several aviation and and navigation experts support this theory, concluding that the outcome of the last leg of the flight came down to poor planning and worse execution. Brutal feedback. I know. I mean, they're dead, guys. Can we keep it a bit more constructive, oh, no. please? Yeah, come on. Good effort, Captain's <laughs> yeah, Coach's right. Award. Well, they would have left beautiful corpses. Let's take some company. Not that we found them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they thought, well, they probably just ran out of fuel because they didn't. apparently they didn't have enough fuel anyway to make it. They were never going to make it. Oh, but the heartbreaking. Other, another theory is that they might have flown without radio transmission for some time, uh, landing at uninhabited... Uh, in like a small, a tiny island in inside of a reef in the Pacific Ocean. Um, but even if they'd survived that, they would ultimately die there because nobody could find them anyway. And that theory is based on several on-site investigations that have turned up artefacts such as improvised tools, bits of clothing, and an aluminium panel and a piece of plexiglass that is the exact width and curvature of the Electra window. That sounds like pretty good evidence. That feels like that's pretty good, but they've still haven't been able to get solid. So there's an idea that they might have lived there for a while. Maybe if that's what the if that's who that's, these tools were, but that's no idea. It's it's wild, and it just keeps going. Like there was another theory that suggested she and Fred are working as spies. Yeah, not a lot of meat to that theory. Here we go. I'm interested in this. But and even they were spying on that island, they were like they were spies. They were spying on the Japanese. I think that makes sense. Pick the most famous woman on the planet mm. and make her a spy. Make her a yep. spy. In November 2006, the National Geographic Channel aired episode two of the Undiscovered History series about a claim that Earhart survived the world flight, moved to New Jersey, changed her name, remarried, and became Irene Bollum. And this claim is, uh, has, had originally been raised in a book called Amelia Earhart Lives, um, based on the research uh, that somebody else had done. And Irene Bollum... <laughs> Some loon. Irene Bollum was a banker in New York during the 1940s. She denied being Amelia Earhart. Are you Amelia she, Earhart? She would, though, wouldn't she? She filed a lawsuit requesting $1.5 million in damages and submitted a lengthy affidavit in which she rebu- rebutted the claims. Da- what are the damages? Uh, stop saying oh, I'm a I'm really cool, famous, famous person. <laughs> but that would be a great plan, though, if it was Amelia Earhart, because then you're proving that you're, it's not you. 
And you're getting paid for oh, that. Yeah, that's nice. a weird. Sweet retirement plan. And this continues still. In August 2019, this month, famed explorer Robert Ballard, who found the Titanic in 1985, led a research team to uh, Nicomaroro. <laughs> that. It's not right. With the hopes of uncovering more answers about her disappearance. The search was sponsored by National Geographic and they plan to air a two-hour documentary about it later in the year. So they're still looking. And there's even a theory uh, in this exhibition, there's a theory that uh, if they did land there, that Noonan died, the plane floated away, Earhart lived for a few weeks on the island um, but then when she did die, the three-foot-long coconut crabs that live there ate her body. Right. And just, that's why there's three not – that's why, like, coconut crabs. People, people have found bits of bones but not, like, full skeletons, so the crabs have eaten it. And would they – they wouldn't have any way of identifying those bones, DNA or anything? They wouldn't – I guess they probably didn't have any of her – Well, I'm, I'm sure they'd have something now, but, yeah, they haven't been up. there's no solid – there's a lot of like it probably is, wow. but nothing solid. And this happened eighty years ago, right? Over eighty years ago, and we still don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery episode. It's a mystery episode. <sighs> oh my goodness! And so it's crazy that she was close enough to communicate with that ship. Yeah, for a part. To but be like, then hey, it, it was I'm, breaking in and pretty, out. We're pretty close, so you think that they might be like looking, uh, but they never saw anything. Yeah. If she, do you think if she didn't disappear, would would she still have the sort of place in history, or is the disappearance a big part of her mythology? Sort Great of thing? point. Maybe it is. Yeah, because because it sounds like she did a lot of stuff. If she completed that trip, yeah, and it seems like she was pretty close. I think that's a, a similar argument could be made for Charles Lindbergh, who was yeah. world famous at the time, probably the most famous person on the planet for a period, but. In the nearly 100 years since, a lot yeah. of people we remember him because of the baby kidnapping. Right, yeah. So it's like an extra yeah, element to it. So she did this amazing feat and yeah. then also she disappeared. So it's like a, a famous for two things, I guess. Yeah. And there's heaps to it. Like there's so much and there's so many different theories and you can go into a lot of detail. I just sort of wanted to like – I didn't know anything about her early life or, you know, what else she did or why, you know, why she was so famous before this. So – there's so much more to it, but I've already talked for nearly two hours, and that was that was a great report. Just some of it, fascinating, insane. What a life! What a, to learn is to live. Yeah, I, I. What, do you have a your favorite theory? I um, like to think that she lived and, and wasn't then sl- eaten by and the slowly crabs, starved. but instead, no, no, she, no, no, she uh, lived on and lived a happy life. Yeah, and she just didn't want to be found. Uh-huh. She ended up loving life on that island, and she yeah she just sort of um, became friends with those coconut eating crabs and said, "Could you just eat some of me, so it looks like I'm dead?" Oh wow, okay. So she sort of worked in with them, right? Yeah. What part? What would you sacrifice? Um, of her. Um, no, of yourself. If oh, you were myself, making that okay. call, mm. that's an even harder call to make. Um, I'd say <laughs> easier to sacrifice her left leg. Yeah, I don't know. I I think all parts of me are really important to me. Interesting. So maybe she had a similar feeling about her own. Maybe body. my appendix. Yeah, get rid of that. Tonsils. One kidney. Mm. Let the crabs eat Tops. your tonsils. <laughs> yeah. Get in there. Cut them out. 
Get them out of there. But yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that's... Great report. And if I can add a non-fun fact at the end here, just Please. to clear it up. A nautical mile is larger than a regular land mile, if you will. Great. And it is based on the circumfer- circumference of the Earth. Oh. So it's travelling a certain distance... On the, the, on the curvature. On the curvature, that's right. right. It's a minute of arc on the planet Earth is defined as one nautical mile. A minute of arc. Yeah, travelling that arc. And a minute not of time? What is a minute? No, of time. Uh, At what speed? That's weird. I don't like I don't, that. I don't, don't talk well, about that. Well, <laughs> it's also a knot is based on this as well because a knot right. is a unit of speed. If you travel at one at a speed of one nautical mile per hour, you are said to be travelling at the speed of one knot. That's how they work that out. You know how they say that? That ship was travelling at seven knots. That's seven nautical miles per hour. Jess, this, this info would work in well for your pirate character. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't get it. You'd present it well. <laughs> I don't understand it. You'd present it well. Nah. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so there you have it. Great work, Jessica. Thank you, Matthew. Jessica, Jessica Simpson. Nope. Where has your father gone? I wish I could remember the lyrics. Uh, I don't well, know that song. What is by that? Adam someone. Oh, no, nah, let's not. Let's just do our favourite think- part of the show. Which is the part that's dedicated to our Patreon listeners. Adam Green. Great. So uh, what we do at the end of every episode is we like to give back to those people who give to us. That's right. And the first section is the fact, quote, or question. Fact, quote, or question. Section. Thank you, Dave. We're on the uh, Sydney Schomburg Deluxe Memorial VIP level of Patreon. You get a bunch of extra rewards, including you get to vote for two of the three topics we do. Uh, you get to do uh, all the other things like get bonus episodes. But you also get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. Up to you. And this week's fact, quote, or question comes from listener. Dave, help me with the pronunciation when I muck it up. Jacoby D'Angel. Jacoby D'Angel. Thank you. And Jacoby. Hello, Jacoby. Jacoby, uh, also, you get to give yourself a title. And Jacoby has given himself the title writer, director, cinematographer, editor, producer, executive producer, and best boy of the Do Go On movie. Oh, it's a one-man film crew. This is real handy for us as well. Real Robert Rodriguez. Means we don't have to do any of that work. Mm. Um... And he asks a question. He's taking a question <laughs> he will not. He will not do his own gaffing, though. No. That's left to me. Great. Thanks, Jacoby. Jacoby. Am I saying that right? Jacoby. Sorry, Jacoby. And Jacoby asks the question, what do you think the story was? A question usually reserved for Meso at the Weekly Planet. But this week it's for you. What should the do-go-on movie be about? Let me know so we can get right into pre-production. Oh, the Do Go On movie. Well, I reckon it should be like Bohemian Rhapsody and sort of right. shows the how we came. What's our live aid? How we came to. Well, we haven't got there yet. All right. How we came to meet each other to start the podcast. Then we started getting mega successful. The money went to my head. We had a falling out for a bit when I go solo. When does this stuff happen? This is in the future. Soon. Okay. Uh, if you keep. 
interrupting me. Uh, and then, uh, and then I get really hard into drugs for a bit, and I realize the people I'm surrounding myself with are not good people. And then I come crawling back to you, and I say, "Oh, come on, oh, go on, let's be friends again." And yeah. you go, "All right." And then we play Live Aid. Whoa, whoa, that's a great movie. So, oh, so it is. It's just I haven't seen that, but that's the movie. Uh, I also haven't seen it, but it's... it's... Have you not? No. You've got to see it. Genuinely, actually, it was very good. Really? Uh, Mixed reviews is what I've heard. Oh, I liked it. I've heard nothing but bad reviews. Really? Apart from this current one. Oh, well, now I feel like an idiot. Well, Well, I'm probably listening to idiots. Yeah, he did win the Oscar for it, Rami. My opinion was that I enjoyed it. That's a beautiful That's opinion. the only opinion you should worry about. And it was about. great in a cinema because it was very loud and Queen's music is great. And it was also a huge hit. And the people aren't wrong. But I was just often. telling you our story. I'm not talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. Well, that's a great story. I, I don't know if I could add a lot to that. I would um, pay to see it is what I'm saying. You're, you're oh, pa- but there's got to be some sort of love interest. You're basically the Freddie Mercury character. Is that Matt, I'm the Freddie Mercury of this podcast. Okay. Look at this big mouth. <laughs> Dave, I guess that would make you uh, the big hair guy who plays this. <laughs> Brian. Brian. Yeah, you're Brian. And I'm one of the others. <laughs> John, you're John, John Deacon. Deacon. You're John Deacon. John Deacon? Is he an Australian Prime Minister? No. Alfred Deacon. Damn it. And Number Deacon two. spelt differently. Damn it. And what's the other member's name? Roger. Roger. <laughs> you're Roger. 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 Uh, Roger. He is Roger. Uh, Roger. Roger. The blonde one, the drummer. Yeah, that's me. I'm Roger. Anyway, so that answers your question. Great question, Jacoby. Jacoby, we appreciate Hopefully that answers. Support. What, is that, Dave, you got, got any other elements you would add in there? Um, it's just se- a, a, sec- a sex scene? Oh. Is there a sex scene? I said there's got to be some sort of love. Yeah, well, there's a sex scene where the Jess character wakes the Dave <laughs> character up from a plane. Oh, a plane crash. That's exciting too. Yeah. Oh, we and should add, add elements to some of the stories. We split the party, uh, Burke and Will style, yeah. Yeah. on the way to the stage. Maybe like a, a Spinal Tap sort of mm. homage where they, they can't find the stage. So we do – there's a whole section of the movie where we Burke and Wills this journey from the green room to the stage and it takes us six Most months. Most of the film, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we yeah. keep splitting the party until it's just us <laughs> left and we have to eat a horse. <laughs> Why is a horse backstage? I don't know. It's in our rider. Oh, normally the rider's on the horse. <laughs> this time the horse is in the rider. It's uh, uh, almost something. Um, <laughs> it's Roger Taylor. Roger Taylor. Taylor. Sorry, just, Roger. Just I did say Roger. Taylor. Well done. Roger. I would have got Roger. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's good. I reckon we add in a bunch of elements. Jacoby, I think, uh, as I mean, you're the writer, director, et cetera. I don't, we don't want to do all your writing work for you, but that's the basic idea. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Who's the... playing us? Oh. Uh, Roger Taylor. I will be playing me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have... Uh, Boris Becker, <laughs> young Boris Becker, play me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you normally do it the opposite. That's great. You normally you normally do it the opposite in the way that you pick an actor, not a tennis player. <laughs> you you pick someone who's younger than you so that they can play you at your age. I've I've, I've done all the opposite. Yeah, I'd like a, a young Pat Cash to play me. <laughs> Oh, he'd be good. Oh, he'd be great. He'd great be actor. Great. Yeah. A lot of sass. Yeah. A lot of energy. A lot of headbands. Yeah, yeah. That Which iconic blue and white checked headband. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Which tennis player would play you? 
Add a Conacoba, surely. How dare you? Jeannie uh, Bouchard. Oh, Jeannie Bouchard. Oh, for sure. Oh, beautiful name. Beautiful name. Beautiful Love name. name. Beautiful tennis player. Beautiful, beautiful forehand. Yeah, I meant her tennis playing, not her looks. Because I value so much more than that. Hey, we learned the lessons of Amelia mm. and the 99. It's not about that. From Get Smart. And the budget would be... Oh. What's the biggest name a, name film budget? Like $400 million is is like... Double it. $800 million. A billion. Double it again. A billion. One billion. First billion dollar movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, We're going to film it on the moon. still <laughs> shit. There is a part where we Sorry, go to the Jacobi. moon. Sorry, <laughs> Jacoby. Yeah, we go to the moon. Every one of the 200 episodes, we put all the elements into the movie somehow. Somehow. It references every episode. Mm. So we have to do the movie from now because, I mean, movies take a while, so there'll be other episodes in the meantime. Yep, 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 yep. Fuck. And there's a part two. This film will never end. Putnam. This is a film that never (laughs) ends. Have we done a Lamb Chops (laughs) sing-along episode yet? We will. Anyway. Thank you so much, Jacoby. Am I saying that right? Yes. You are saying that perfectly. Good job. Uh, And the other thing we like to do is thank a few of our other Patreons uh, and – uh, Jess normally comes up with a bit of a game for this section. What are you going to do this week, Jess? Um, can we give them a, a f- that first? They're the first person to do something? Yeah, that'd be right. great. Is that okay? Yes, please. Are you sure? Thank you. Dave? Yeah, I love it. Do 100% you? 100% approved. Dave, I never want to let you down. 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 Inside you. Oh. Does he say beside you? Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Can we end the episode there? Yeah. You've ruined. We can end the podcast. Okay, great. Thank you. 201. Done. Done. Goodbye. 201 and done, as I've always (laughs) prophesied. So we'll give them first. Who wants to kick it off? I would like to kick it off and thank from Port Perry in South Australia. Australia, Chris McDougal. Chris McDougal is a great name. Chris McDougal, love that name. And Chris is the first person to... Order an ice cream sundae at night and not be told that the ice cream machine is being cleaned. Dave, is this based on anything? Oh, my God, my biggest pet peeve. Wait, so he's... Ordered it and then they say they can't give it to him? No, no he's ordered say, it and they've given it to him. He's actually got an ice cream Sunday after midnight from a McDonald's. Can you believe that? Can you? You can't. Wait, why is, why is it being cleaned? I'm so confused. They always just say after midnight, sorry, the machine's off being cleaned. Right. Always. The only time I ever want a Sunday is after midnight. And he was the first to order one. And be given his order. Oh, they said it wasn't, it isn't being cleaned. Yeah, they said, yeah, sure. Why haven't bring it up? Yeah, it's weird that they brought up the cleaning schedule of the machine. He's no, no, like, he, okay. as a, as a, he was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll get an apple pie and a small chocolate sundae, thinking they'd be like, it's bring cleaner. But they went, yep, no worries, that's $6.10. And he was, pardon? What? Gobsmacked. I did not bring my wallet. Chris McDougal. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris I just McDougal. came here to get furious. <laughs> and honestly, there's, I reckon we've started you off. You've probably got one of the shittest ones we'll come up with. Chris No, honestly, this is probably the most impossible task any person's ever been given. Well done. Can, he, he can you at it. least give him a topping? Oh, yeah, caramel. Yum! Uh, strawberry. Do you know sure. what you do? Do you know what you do? This is what I do when I'm sad. Oh, great. <laughs> you go and get a Sunday. Sometimes I drive to the McDonald's 
near nearish my house, and I just sit in the car park if I'm angry about something, and I get. Then <laughs> what's what? Can we put this in the movie? And I get a caramel sundae, a little one, and some chippies, and you dip the chippies in the sundae. And that's what you do when you're angry and sad. This is your origin story? <laughs> when I'm when I'm angry, chips are for sad. the angry. Sunday for the sad. Ice cream for the sad. Mm. That's what I do. And how angry and sad do you get after midnight when you try and order that and they only give you the chips? No, Dave, no ice cream after midnight. I'm a big girl. (laughs) Well, she'll become an Ewok. I can't Whatever that movie is. It's not Ewoks. What? Gremlins? Feed them chips. Yeah. Feed them chips after midnight, they become gremlins. And I would also (laughs) like to thank from Goulburn in Australia... Where I'm going to be next week? You said it was such confusion, and then you transitioned instantly to I'm touring there, Goulburn in Australia. I forgot that people in uh, country New South Wales or Canberra. I'm coming up to do some shows uh, like next week or the yeah next week I think. Uh, and you can find out details about that at matstuartcomedy.com. I'm going to Wagga Wagga. I'm going to Goulburn. I'm going to Orange, and I'm going to Canberra. So maybe you'll be able to meet this person there. Yes, and I would like to thank from Goulburn, the home of the big Merino, Bron Livesey. Ooh, Livesey. Bron. Livesey. 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 Bron Livesey. And Matt, what's Bron the first person Okay, to do? first, all right. Throw it at me again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empty my mind out. Hard yep. to do. And Bron Livesey is known, of course, for being the first person to... Sweep a full paddock. <laughs> wow. An, in- an entire paddock? Yeah. A full one? Yep. Shit. Okay. Now, I don't know if that means, like, sweep it for mines or sweep hay away. <laughs> Surely you'd rake it or mow it. Why are you sweeping it? I'm guessing it's a mine sweeper. Wow, that's an important job. Yeah, the first person to do it. Without being exploded, I imagine, yeah. is what you mean. Wow. wow. Bron. Go, Bron. Sorry. Doing, and thank you. Doing good work there, Bron. From Goulburn. Hopefully I'll see you next week. May I thank some people as well? Yes. I would like to thank from Rabina in Queensland in Australia. I was in Rabina last week. You are so worldly. On the, on the Gold Coast. I would like to thank Ariel Woodhouse. Oh, solid name. And Ariel Woodhouse is known, of course, for being the first person to get a perfect score in darts. Whoa. Oh, wow. And that's what—that's that weird game where bullseyes aren't the highest score. No. That's that one weird game where bullseyes aren't the highest. Every yeah. other game. Except for golf is it's, the only other one It's like well. triple 20 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, triple right? 20. Huh, wild. Doesn't make Crazy, any sense. But Ariel did it. Yeah, well done. That's and you should go. There's a, a weekly room there at the Dog and Parrot. Go there last week and you'll see me there. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. Time travel. You time travel, Ariel? Thank you very much. Ariel Woodhouse, fantastic. Oh, three great names so far. So good. Big well, shoes to fill for these final three. There's plenty more because I would also like to thank from Greensboro. <gasps> Where I was born. Here in Victoria. Whoa. It's always funny when it's just on my passport. It's so specific. It says, yeah, mine says Mount Waverley. Greensboro. Ah. You think, Victoria would be fine, Melbourne. Mm. Anyway. We didn't live anywhere near Mount Waverley, but that's, that's the hospital. where that's the hospital the, yeah, was. It's funny that that ends up on your passport forever. I was born in Mount Waverley. Because I was born in a country town. Mine is specifically to that town, which makes more yeah. sense. But my otherwise, bro- you think if you're in Melbourne, you just call it Melbourne. My brother says like Fitzroy or something. Like At least that's a trendy part of Melbourne, you know? <laughs> yeah. Good for him. 
Dad's is Hawthorne, I think. Oh, Mum, Maribara, country kid. Anyway, I'd like to thank from Greensboro, where Dave was born, Toby Gall. Wow. Toby Gall. Toby Gall. Toby Gall. Toby Gall. Toby Gall. First man to flip, kick flip over a tractor. Jeez, wow. Mine are all paddock based. Yeah. <laughs> kick flip over, over a tractor. Over a tractor. Pretty, you need a ramp for that. Yeah. Really air hard stuff. But he didn't have one. Oh, wow. That's a big kickflip. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. How did you do Toby, that? Well, obviously what he did is practiced at the Greensboro Skate Park, yep. which yeah. does exist. That makes sense. Do you remember that from when you were born? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember looking at it from the train. There it is. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Whoa. Well, thank you very much, Toby. Toby Gore. And congratulations Legend. on that pretty sick kickflip. That's kick sweet kickflip. That's sick. So cool. We thought that was gnarly. That is gnarly as. That's rad. That's rad. You know what? We've had four Aussies. Let's have a fifth one. From okay. Geelong in Victoria, I would like to thank Jamie Boris. Boris Jamie is such Boris. a great name. That is. Oh, my God, Jamie Boris. I love it. <laughs> Boris. Oh, my God, that has really tickled me. Boris. How good's that? Boris. Uh, Jamie love Boris it. is the first person to buy an advent calendar Whoa. and not eat all of the chocolates on day one. Actually stuck to the system. I always did that. Did you not uh, stick to the system? But you weren't the first person to do it. No. Jamie Boris was. Happy to be beaten by a Boris. Always <laughs> yeah. said that. Yeah. It's weird. You have always said I've that. Always now said finally that. it makes sense. Yeah. 201. It makes sense. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie Boris. You are disciplined and we appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, congratulations. Otherwise, what's restraint. the point? It's just like you're inspirational. Go buy a box of chocolates. I mean, I just want to eat a bunch I've, of Yes, I've jumped ahead. You've jumped ahead, surely. Of course I have. If anything, I fell behind on purpose to pull up a few. That's another thing. Jamie was on time. Okay. That's a, I was also have done that before. When you go, oh, three in one day. Yeah, yes, that. please. <laughs> yeah. And then some advent calendars on the 25th. <coughs> oh, this excitement really <coughs> oh <my> got to <laughs> <laughs> Double chocolate on the final day, uh. too. <coughs> What an absolute treat. Wow, we've nearly made it. Your esophagus could not handle the memory. <laughs> started, of all that chocolate. Started spasming. Oh, boy. How exciting. Oh, thank you, Jamie Boris. Keep. Boris. Oh, my God. Maybe my favorite name of all time, Jamie <laughs> Boris. Can you explain to me why it's so good? No. Oh, no. Loving it. I mean, what was the name at the start of the episode? Something Hazels. God. Oh, that yeah. was incredible. I mean, El- some... It was Elvis Hazels. Yeah. That has got to be a fake name. Yeah, surely. Nobody's got it that good. If only it was Elvis Boris. Oof. Oh, now Mwah. we're talking. All right. Thank you so much to the Boris. But finally, I would like to thank from a little bit further away here, Burstwick, East Yorkshire. Ah. I would like to thank William Young. William oh. Young. Oh. William Young. Willie Young. Have we? I've done a couple. You've done a couple, Bob, have you? Who's, yep. That means Dave bringing us home. I've done two. All right, that's Bob. <laughs> Both of mine were food-based. Both of mine were paddock-based. Yes. Jess, what was your one? Um, Can't even remember that. Darts. So oh, yeah. oh, sport. Sport ba- okay, so Willie Young. Okay, first person to do a flip on a jet ski. Whoa. That is actually sick. That yeah. is sick. That's badass. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon if Amelia Earhart was around now, she—that's the kind of—that's the frontier she would have been. That's the kind of shit she'd be yeah. doing. She crazy. Yeah, yep. But that's what William Young did. 
Got a jet William ski. Dunk. So okay, so I, there's two ways this could go. He flips with the jet ski, or he's standing on the jet ski, <laughs> does a backflip, still on the jet ski. He's done both. Whoa! At, at the, the same, same time. time. <laughs> yeah, it actually defied physics. Right. It made no sense. Oh, wow. Everyone was like, that was definitely CGI. That is. <laughs> In real life, I'm looking at CGI. <laughs> yeah. How are they doing this? It's crazy. Nobody could believe it. Wow. Love that. Yep. Pretty, pretty wild. That's badass. That's, so, that's Will well, Young. Well done, Will Young. Well done, Will Young. We appreciate a good backflip at the best of times. Oh, yeah. And that is at the best of times. That's a double backflip, though. Holy shit. Hey, if you want to be like one of those six absolute legends and support our show on Patreon, you can do that at any time at patreon.com slash dogoonpod. We'll shout out to you. We'll tell you what record you've done or something like that. But also, probably the cooler part of the, the reward system is you get to know you are supporting the show, but also you get two bonus episodes a month. You can be part of the Facebook group. You get pre-sale tickets. I can't remember if one of us said this earlier, so I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, if you want to join the club, yes. we'd love to have you. Yeah, around. the Facebook group is great. They recently, uh, someone on there, made an awesome video yep. for Jess Sam Russell, who's a birthday buddy of mine. It's her birthday as well. Oh, that makes it even Thank wilder you, that she made you a present on her birthday. She went to so much effort and made so us cool. a, a video, which was very sweet. But it's a really nice little community. So, yeah, if you want to be a Patreon, that's a really nice perk to it as well. Yes. Um, and you can, yeah, patreon.com slash pod. And so thank you, Chris, Bron, Ariel, Toby, Jamie, and William. Come to our show in Sydney and Perth and everywhere. Yeah, yeah you six specifically, especially Will from East Yorkshire. Yeah, come. <laughs> Make the effort, Will. It would be real cool to see you there. Um, and, yeah, uh, get on our social media. It's uh, Do Go On Pod everywhere. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and mm-hmm. Twitter. You can follow, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash do go on pod and I've been I'm I'll be nearly up to date I've scheduled the net, the last like eight remaining episodes to go up and the episode 99 and 200 are both videos episodes which uh, one of them recorded in our Airbnb in Brisbane the other one on stage in Brisbane and they were both fun I remember the <coughs> the Airbnb in Brisbane we were doing it we were mugging up for the camera a bit without mentioning it on the thing. So it'll be interesting to we'll mug see if it. that makes it more A lot inter- of sexy eyes were being oh, yeah. delivered to that camera. Oh, oh, from dumb. Dave, not from me. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I wasn't looking at your eyes. Mine were going straight down the barrel the whole time. It was weird. I did not look away for two hours. And yeah. I'm going to try and start putting some extra bits and pieces up there every now and then as well. So that should be fun if you want to be on there. So everything's basically Do Go On Pod, and you can find it, links to most of it from our website, dogoonpod.com. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. And uh, I think that's it for another week. Fantastic report there, Jess. Appreciate that. We'll be back next week with another hopefully fantastic report. I've, uh, I've already got the vote up. It's, it's real close, but it's going to be sick. Great. Three options are all great. The uh, umbrella topic, each of the topics occurred in Ohio. <laughs> oh, awesome. The second best state after Vermont. No, the best state. Mm. Jess, what's, where do you stand on this? What's your favorite state? Pick um, one. Uh... uh... Can you help me? <laughs> oh, hi. Uh, oh, hi. Isn't it? It's interesting because you go on about Vermont a bit, but only late in the episodes because of the, what was it, whoopies? Creamies. Creamies. <laughs> whoopies. <laughs> and they, I'm making creamies. <laughs> and they, uh, you mentioned a few times at the Brisbane show and the crowd were not understanding no, what you were talking about. They were not into Clearly, it at all. Seriously, I was like. They it through to the late part of guys, the show. Guys, you, you're not getting this. I've mentioned two references to Vermont, the world's greatest US state, and I'm getting nothing up here. What is wrong with you people? 
Queenslanders. Tweet me if you love Vermont. Come on. <laughs> I say from a safe distance. I love Brisbane. <laughs> me I love too. Queensland. It was great. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. This is, it's ended up being one of our longest ones in a while. Oh, no, I'm sorry. People love it long. I'm sorry. <laughs> to absolutely nobody. <laughs> Boom, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, Later. Bye. See you next week. What the fuck? 201, you start, you put in a slow, a little, what the fuck? Bus. Laters, see you next week. Laters. Edit that other bit out. I don't want to change. I'm I'll so never change. I'm so disappointed in you. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's, it's up to you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.